0: MIDI clinicians are menopause experts, offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network.
1: Hello, this is Zack Sabre Jr., New Japan Cup winner 2018. And you are listening to Keeping It Strong Style
0: with my mates, enjoy.
2: on today's show, we'll be discussing the WWE and New Japan Partnership Rumors, previewing Dominion, answering your questions, and covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping it strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling tea store, pro socialsuplex that's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPWEXT, the only browser extension for njpwworld.com with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, Custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. Visit njpwext.us today for details. Young boy, how you doing, man?
3: Oh, just uh, recuperating from a very, very long holiday weekend.
2: Yeah, I had a Memorial Day weekend here in the States. Big uh, double or nothing AEW weekend as well.
3: Yeah, I don't care so much about that, but uh... <laughs> no, I watched it. The show was good, you know. Lots of um, you know people in the crowd, so that's cool, I guess. <laughs>
2: Side dojo down bad, man.
3: Why? Because Matt got thrown out.
2: Yeah, first eliminated.
3: Bro, that shit don't matter. Matt signed for <laughs> X number of years. He got the bag. Like I know he's he good.
2: I know he doesn't care as long as he's getting paid and he's. Being featured he, he, <laughs> he doesn't give a fuck I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably like Yeah get me out of there quick I can just go back And relax the rest of the night
3: Matt Matt is a Jobber to the stars I'm <laughs> just Matt, huh. playing Matt, Matt's Matt's great
2: No I, Matt has been awesome In AEW And One of the best You know Obviously you know First hand One of the best You know Entering Technicians You know Bell to bell guy And he has All his TV matches Have been uh, really really good And so I Always looking forward When Matt's in action
3: yeah, uh, I discovered this new show. Um, normally, I'm not the kind of person that would like a show that is like a reality TV show, but bro, this Forbidden Island show. Oh my god! Oh no, no, Temptation Island. Yeah, That's the, what it's the one
2: that uh, played on USA.
3: Yeah, bro. Yo, me like <laughs> me and Megan, we've been just like binging that show. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's like four four couples go to an island to test their love to see if they uh they really got the legs to like stand and they're on this island for a month and they get split up and the the four girls go live in a house with like 12 dudes and the four dudes go live in a house with like 12 chicks and the couples don't see each other like the whole entire time and they gotta like see if they can stay truthful faithful to their to, to their people you know what i'm saying like it is the wildest shit ever. It is the
2: worst. Sounds like a recipe for disaster for uh, marriages there or, or oh, relationships. Oh, it's <laughs>
3: terrible. It's it's like the worst human beings, like not only the couples, but like the contestants that are like coming to break them up. Like everyone involved in this. If, if anyone's listening right now and you were on that show, I apologize. But everyone on that show is a trash person. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love it. It's a really, really good show.
2: Nice. Might might have to uh, check that out. See see how trashy it is. Don't
3: don't do it, man. It's bad. <laughs> it's it's real bad.
2: Well, uh, before we get going here, two things first. Uh, if you haven't already, check out the Social Suplex Draft Part One over on the Social Suplex uh, Podcast Network feed. Uh, Part two will be coming as soon as One Nation Radio will turn their card in.
3: Why why are they taking so long? I thought there was a a, a specific amount of time they needed to record within.
2: I don't know. I'll give him a little grace period since uh, you know Rich did head down to Jacksonville for um, Double or Nothing this weekend, and
3: that doesn't matter. (laughs) Your 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 personal life doesn't get to you know supersede your work obligations when it comes to the network. Like this feels (laughs) like an attack on us. And here's the thing: like we put together an incredible card, and I don't know. I feel like the reason that they're taking so long is because they're scared or something. Like I don't know.
2: Yeah, they're shook, man. They they, they know we, we brought the heat last year. We're, we're bringing the heat again this year.
3: It's just like, you know, I would say One Nation Radio is one of the best drafters in this game, you know, three years running. But every time, I feel like we fuck them up when it comes to the booking aspect. So, <laughs> like, I, I feel like they're, they're trying to work things out so that they win this shit. But, like, at the end of the day, you know, they're going to lose to us once again. And like, that's just the way it is, you know?
2: Yeah. There's some things. Death,
3: so, taxes. That's
2: exactly where I was going.
3: <laughs> keeping a strong style. beats one nation radio in the draft. Like it's, it's a guarantee.
2: Yeah. You know, they, they should have, you know, done your idea of, you know, doing a, a battle bowl and, you know, trying to split us up to, you know, get, get a chance for somebody else to win. But as long as we're together, we're, you're going to get a superior drafting and get superior booking.
3: Yeah. Superior. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. There we we took some. they were like, oh, those are some deep cuts. Hell yeah, they were deep cuts. They're gonna take us to the wind That's what, <laughs> that's what's happening with those deep cuts.
2: And uh, people uh, other people out th- here
3: taking fucking Finn, Finn Balor and shit. <laughs> <laughs> ricochet, you know, book Ricochet into you know relevance again.
2: Yeah, good luck with that.
3: <laughs> good luck, man. <laughs>
2: Uh, But other thing, uh, it is the 1st of June, so that means May is over. We got to talk about Wrestler of the Month, Match of the Month for May. Uh, I'll kick it off with Wrestler of the Month. Uh, We are awarding the Wrestler of the Month to the Dirty Daddy Chris Dickinson. Uh, Chris had a really great month on New Japan Strong, he was on three of the four. Main events on the collision tour Of course he had the the tag match Him and Mox against Narita and Nagata Where him and Mox got the victory there Then the following week he was in the Team Filthy Versus the strong Suki Goon um, elimination match Where he was the sole survivor, won that And then of course he had the strong openweight championship match Against Filthy Tom Waller Which was an awesome match, probably the best match in strong history we'll talk about it a little bit later in the show. So yeah, Chris had an awesome month. Plus, he was on Keeping It Strong, so as a guest, too. That, 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 <laughs> that, that's a little perk there, too. So, the Dirty Daddy, the Wrestler of the Month for May.
3: Yeah. And then um, there's a few good contenders for the Month of May for Match of the Month. Tanahashi against Jay White for the Never title. Obviously, Chris Dickinson and Tom Lawler closing out the month strong uh, on New Japan Strong. But... The winner is a bona fide match of the year contender across the board, not just in New Japan. And who knows? Maybe it'll be the last time we ever see these two wrestle one another, you know? Mm. I'm not trying to throw that out there, but we don't know what's going on. So our, our match of the month for May 2021, the Dragon Shingo Tagagi versus Will Ospreay for the IWGP World Heavyweight title
2: yeah absolutely incredible match if you have not watched that match i don't know what the heck you're doing but you need to watch that incredible matchup
3: yeah we we already did the breakdown a few weeks back so if you want to get a chance go through the archives you can find that there some really great audio but uh you know the match is awesome um you know i hope that's not the last time we see it between them two especially since osprey owes this man shingo one yes but uh yeah, that's our that's our match of the month and uh, a a very strong contender for match of the year as well.
2: Yeah. So now we got to talk about the the hot topic that it's been a buzz in the New Japan community this past week and that is the rumors of WWE and New Japan potentially partnering. Reports coming out that WWE president Nick Khan has been in talks of New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, about WWE becoming NGPW's exclusive American partner. Uh, bitch.
3: Dave- <laughs> their exclusive <laughs> bitch. <laughs> uh,
2: Dave Meltzer reported in uh, this week's Wrestling Observer newsletter that talks regarding the potential partnership dates back to March or early April, but there is no indignation whether discussions are where they're currently at. If talks go anywhere, the deal would include WWE sending talent, including top stars, to work in New Japan. Um, then the story kind of picked up from here, where we had uh, Tony Khan doing a, a shoot promo, if you want to call it that, on Twitter addressing the rumors. And uh, Tony said, you know, he'd read The Observer in the morning, heard that you know WWE president Khan was in talks with New Japan, and Khan said that Nick Khan has done a lot in the last two months, but mentioned in the last two weeks that he booked Narita, Rocky Romero, Yuji Nagata, that he had uh, future plans for the IWGP U.S. title, which is currently held by Mox, and Khan closed his promo up by saying there could only be one Khan in pro wrestling, not some con man from Connecticut. Uh, then in the, the post-match uh, scrum for Double or Nothing, Tony Khan mentioned that he had a handshake deal with Leo Rush, who debuted in the Casino Battle Royal. Um, that Rush would still be able to do New Japan events. And then Meltzer kind of followed up with that, saying that Leo Rush has signed a New Japan contract, and there've been several other sources coming out confirming that New Japan or Leo Rush is under New Japan contract, and him uh, working AEW was allowed by New Japan. New Japan letting him work AEW and um, MLW. So, young boy, thoughts on this? WWE and New Japan talking a potential partnership. If this were to happen,
3: um, one other thing uh, Tony Khan claims that before he cut that promo on Nikon on YouTube and social media, um, that he contacted New Japan and asked if they thought he should cut the promo and that they agreed to it and thought it was great and that he expects to continue working with New Japan. Um, my assumption reading that is this he called Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> He called Rocky was like, yo, you think I should do this promo? Rocky's like, yeah, why not? Go for it. <laughs> that, that is his definition of the office, you know, of New Japan approving of whatever the fuck that was. Well, um, well
2: you, you know, Tony <clears throat> Khan calls himself the Forbidden Door. I think Rocky Romero is the key to the Forbidden Door.
3: I, I think that Tony Khan, in any capacity other than just, like, businessman is fucking cringe as fuck. That is <laughs> that is literally what I think. I I don't find his uh I think the impact promos he does are like they're kind of goofy, but they're they're like funny, but like that they're funny in the way that like those fake commercials on NWA power were. Right. I don't I don't take them seriously. Like um but I also don't think that they're like good for business either. I just think they're just there, you know. And it's like whatever. It's impact. Like no one watches that shit anyway. So you know, no harm, no foul. But um, I don't. I don't know. I thought that this came off as the cringiest of things <laughs> he could have possibly done. Um, I don't know. I feel like if I was, if you're, if you're a diehard AEW fan, maybe you love it, you know. But like, I don't know. As like a New Japan fan, and I'm like. Tony Khan has got plans for the U.S. title, blah, blah, blah. Like, he, like, I don't know. It just sounded, he, A, he sounded agitated to me, was one thing. He sounded like he was really bothered or perturbed at the idea that there was, like, word out there that WWE and New Japan might be working together. And then he's like, gonna call it Nick Khan. Most people don't know who the fuck Nick Khan is, you know? Like, your average you know, wrestling fan, who watches probably both programs religiously, they don't know Nick Khan. They, like, don't know what he... Luckily, this is just on social media. Right. Like,
0: and I, I, think,
2: I think that's why they left it on Twitter, because if you're kind of on Twitter, you kind of know Nick Khan. You, see, you hear all the stories about Nick Khan, all the big moves that he's some been making. Some people do. Yeah. But I think a, a lot of the diehard, some of the diehard people on Twitter kind of at least heard the name Nick Khan, especially when it got hot, because there was tons of jokes about, you know, WWE getting a, a different Khan, all that kind of stuff,
3: so... I, I honestly I thought that was embarrassing for him to be honest with you. Like that's literally what I thought. I didn't think it was like cool. Like it doesn't draw, doesn't get anybody over. It's not good for business. It makes Tony Khan look like a mark. I don't get it at all to be honest with you. Um I don't know. Maybe that's like some that's like some being the elite shit, but like the being the elite shit actually works. So I don't know. I didn't get that. But um as far as these talks go, I mean, who the fuck knows, bro? It's 2021. Wrestling is weird. Um, it is interesting. I remember Tama uh, a few months back sort of, like, alluding to the idea that he would rather work with, like, New Japan than AEW. Um, you know, I think his show's a gimmick as well. I listened oh, to it. Oh, and, yeah.
2: Like, yeah. Total gimmick.
3: Yeah. I've been, like, doing some catch-up, and I'm, like, at a point where I'm, like, I don't even know if I want to watch, like, listen to him because the AEW hate is so like he just kind of reminds me a little bit of like jim Cornette right now you know basically just like getting a niche from a, a certain f- aspect of the audience by just burying any and everything that's you know related to these guys that he's kayfabe not supposed to like you know right but i'm pretty sure they're they're all working together oh
2: yeah i, I think he's working an angle I, I would not be surprised if later this year we saw god versus young
3: bucks on AEW. We'll see. But um, he did allude to the idea of, like, working with WWE and NXT, hit us up, yada, yada. Um, I mean, there have been times in the past very, 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 like, nothing definitively close, but there have been times over the past decade where, you know, relations between New Japan and WWE were better than they had been at different times. Um, I think once New Japan kind of became the clear-cut number two, that's where, and you know, that's where things sort of changed, quite a bit between the two companies. But up until that, things were somewhat friendly. And then, um, you know, now the idea that they might have a, a working relationship—I don't know. I don't know if there's truth to it. Uh, if do I think there's a chance it could happen? I do. Um, for some business reasons, I could see why it might happen. Do I think it could work? I absolutely don't think it could work at all. And I have a lot more reasons why I don't think that relationship would work out at all i think they should completely steer away from it and that's not me saying it as a fanboy although i have some fanboy um opinions on the matter from a purely objective standpoint i don't see how it would benefit new japan long term i do see ways it would probably hurt them long term
2: yeah absolutely agree with you i you know i think Partnering with WWE right now, it would be it'd be a horrible mistake. I know people are talking about you know they could do stuff with NXT and Triple H could be involved. Overall, I still think it wouldn't be the best thing for New Japan. And you know th- these talks were you know were reported early you know March April, but you know since then we've seen New Japan's increase in you know who they're working with in North America. We're seeing more stuff with AEW. We're seeing more stuff with Impact. We're seeing guys go to MLW. Um, so I just find it very interesting that this report comes out and we're we're clearly seeing who New Japan is, is currently working with it right now.
3: Well, I think there could be, um, and just to kind of put my tinfoil hat on for a minute, you know, it's not like we haven't seen wrestlers or individuals try to, you know, get themselves into a bit of a bidding war to raise the value of their, you know, of their brand. Um, and I don't think that this could be unlike that. I think there's a definitive... You know, possibility that New Japan may potentially be shopping around for a US partner Um, I mean I don't even know the the funny thing in all this we don't even know where they stand with Ring of Honor
2: (laughs) right I mean in in the last year we've only seen Rocky Romero and David Finley appear on ROH programming (laughs) and of course there's there's Rio Lee who is under Ring of Honor contract but he definitely wants to continue to work New Japan
3: Yeah, things are weird uh, with that whole situation. But you know, the whole fan base—they're—they're arguing over, you know, an A W W -W E type of situation. ROH just kind of like left out in the cold. What about us? um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Oh man, I don't even know what the point I was originally starting to make is anymore.
2: You were talking about them uh, potentially working together to raise or uh, bidding or doing a bidding war kind of thing.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if they are hypothetically sort of shopping around, you know, a partnership deal, maybe an exclusive one potentially, you know, you might want to leak that news that you're in talks with WWE, things are going on to maybe, you know, raise the dollar value, or it might not even be a, a value thing. It might be more like a bargaining chip sort of situation, like, You know, I don't know what the situation is, but let's just say they are talking to AEW about something exclusive. If the news is out there like, hey, we have other options, things we could be doing, that might give them leverage in any sort of, like, um, you know, um, negotiations that they might have going on.
2: Yeah, that's true. Um, And also, I think the, the big thing that WWE can offer New Japan right now is definitely finances. Uh, That that, that cash, you know, WWE, they're they're raking in the cash right now. They're letting go people left and right. Record profits that they could sweeten the deal, um, give New Japan some cash.
3: Uh, Yeah, and I don't even know if that's how it works, really. Maybe it does. I'm not sure in situations like this, but, I mean, WWE's deep pockets do indicate that, like, if they, if, you know, if there is some sort of, like, uh, I don't know, bonus, like, system in place or you know, pay per use or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, they, they definitely could help. But uh, I don't even know if that's how that sort of transaction is even worked out. You know, I, I've always kind of assumed it was more like a mutually beneficial sort of thing, you know, trading talent and that, you know, I, I've always just assumed that when the talent goes over that the other company foots the bill. I don't know.
2: Right. Yeah. And of course there's also the, the whole Daniel Bryan piece to this, you know, before his contract was up, Daniel Bryan talking about how he wants to work in New Japan but also work for WWE at the same time. So a lot of people are thinking that this is, you know, WWE trying to sweeten the deal for Daniel Bryan to get Daniel Bryan to re-sign. Be like, "Hey, you know, we're working with New Japan now. We'll let you work New Japan. You can still work for us." Kind of thing. So yeah.
3: Well, the WWE uh NXT Japan thing happened last year. Uh, just prior to the pandemic and we were kind of reporting on that at the time and, you know, WWE was making offers to partner or even potentially purchase several of the Japanese companies that were out there. Uh, not unlike what they've done with, you know, other brands in the past. Um, and none of that really came to fruition. Uh, if you do any kind of homework, it's really, really difficult for any sort of Western um promotional company to come into japan and and do business just because the the entire business um the business practices and and decorum and everything they're just way different i mean ufc bought pride in 2007 and had a ready-made you know blockbuster company promotional company ready to go and they couldn't even get a show off the ground in japan (laughs) so i mean and that was the largest mma brand in the entire world at the time bigger than the UFC was. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know if WWE would be able to succeed doing anything like that in Japan. Um, and that's something we talked about in the past as well. But with this situation, it would benefit WWE from one certain aspect. Um, well, two, so you brought up the fact, you know, Daniel Bryan, he's expressed, you know, publicly and privately that he wants to work outside of the company And the idea that he would be able to work for and do shots and appearances for new Japan while being under contract with WWE, that would give WWE a lot of leverage in that bidding war to retain his services. Because although maybe they don't see him as the kind of star that he could potentially be poised, you know, to, to be presented as they don't want him to make it to be a difference maker elsewhere. So that would be a a huge ace up their sleeves if they make that happen. Plus, I'm sure that would help with any number of talent who are in a similar position.
2: Um, Right, and you you have guys like Nakamura saying, you know, he wants his last match to be with Tanahashi. He he can end up getting his his last, you know, Tanahashi match out of that kind of deal.
3: There's a lot of things you could do. Um, There's a lot. And then, um, you know, and then I know that the, like, diehard fans are going crazy thinking of, like, the dream match scenarios and yada yada and all that, so kind of gives way to that sort of uh, thinking. But the other aspect is from a business standpoint. So, I mean, AEW's position is strengthened immensely, provided the New Japan partnership continues on. And it also helps just the general marketplace across the board, provided that they still keep these kind of like open border policies with, you know, impact and, triple a and cmll and ring of honor and you know mlw and yada yada the list goes on and on but if um wwe sort of takes new japan as a pawn off the board and says they can't work with any of those companies you know they're basically making the number three company in the world right now from a revenue standpoint sort of tied to them and it takes that uh, any possibility of, of a relationship with AEW away entirely, and it diminishes AEW, keeps New Japan at a certain level, um, and it and it just bolsters the the stranglehold that WWE has in the marketplace for sure. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's very strategic from that standpoint if it were to happen.
2: Yeah, definitely. It's, it's all about you know keep away from AEW, weakening AEW. You know they, they lost the of the Night Wars, NXT wasn't getting the job done. You know, taking away the New Japan partnership, I think, would be a big blow. Especially fans are all about the Forbidden Door and New Japan and AEW working together and, you know, seeing, you know, Kenny and Ibushi and all these, you know, crossover matches that could happen with AEW and New Japan.
3: My my whole thing with this is I don't know what kind of truth there are to these speculations and rumors. Um, We don't know. They're just, they're reports. Um, But I think it would be a perilous road to go down. Any company that has partnered with WWE post-83, it's either been a completely one-sided partnership or it's been detrimental to the smaller company. Um, There are some, you know, you could throw a couple of names out there that would be maybe, you know, exceptions to that rule. You know, I don't know, FMW maybe. OVW, you know, you'd have to throw some pretty, like, <laughs> obscure situations. Michinoku Pro, you know, but for the most part, when companies end up working with WWE, it's a death knell for them because they get swallowed up. They get, uh, you know, bombarded and, and raided for talent. They, you know, end up uh, having to succumb to whatever WWE decides when it comes to booking. And although I think some f- fans have kind of um I don't know, in their mind think they think like Triple H will be the one calling the shots. Like at the end of the day, like Vince McMahon makes all the booking decisions. <laughs> and, you know, we've seen some pretty petty booking decisions in the very recent past. I mean, they wouldn't even let Tony Storm, you know, like work that show over for stardom when she was there and stuff like right. that. So I mean,
2: if you want to look at kind of what WWE does, a company is look no further than what happened in the UK, you know, coming yeah. in with NXT UK, oh, we're going to work through these promotions. We're going to allow their talent to work you know, all these other shows. And the next thing you know, WWE, they're, they're pulling talents from shows. They can't work with other shows. Their companies are kind of being, you know, killed off.
3: Same thing that happened to evolve, you know, Um, and did it benefit some people like, yeah, it it became a springboard for some people to get into WWE's developmental system. And I'm sure like, you know, um, who's the guy that's the promoter for them? I Uh,
2: I don't, Gabe Sapolsky.
3: Yeah. Gabe, I'm sure Gabe got the bag off that, which is great. But, um, you know, it, kind of killed the indie scene. Like that was like the premier indie spot in North America and it's gone, um, And, I mean, there's a lot of historical references we could talk about. Just, But, you know, just know, go through your history, go look. Anytime WWE has worked with another company, they, you know, strip them and manipulate them and use them. And they're the worst for wear afterwards, you know. And it's happened consistently since the early 80s, you know. You're talking, you know, 35, almost 40 years now that this has been going on. So, um. I don't think this would be a good thing for New Japan. Um, I I couldn't imagine them sending, like, say, Randy Orton to the Tokyo Dome and being like, yeah, he's got to beat Tanahashi. Yeah. And then the, and then New Japan happened to be like, okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Um, and that's what it would be like. I also can't imagine how WWE would handle some of the Japanese talent if they were to come over, let's say, like, for, let's say... Oh my God! They sent like uh, someone on an excursion to NXT. Um, I feel like that could be like disastrous, you know. Actually,
2: I, I think NXT as an excursion spot wouldn't be too bad since NXT. I mean, it's not at its peak, but it's still more wrestling based, and it's a, it's a young lion. It's not like an established star. You're not going to kill off a top star being booked <laughs> something bad.
3: It's you young. you feel like that after the way that they booked Zaya Lee and after the the way they booked uh, uh, Kushida and all that? Like I don't.
2: No, but I'm saying if not
3: not since they went to the 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 two hour live uh, production.
2: Right, but I'm saying if you send over you know Suji over there, he's not a star yet. He can do whatever gimmick they do and come back and he'll be fine. Um, that would that wouldn't really kill him. But now if you're sending over Okada, Tanahashi, Naito and they're they're getting eaten by zombies that that's not a good look.
3: I'm at the point I've got that little faith in the company in their booking that I I don't have that kind of confidence in them whatsoever. I think that they could literally fuck up pretty much any and everybody that they touch that comes over. Yeah. Um and I mean, yeah, there there could be some benefit as far as like the the one thing is like they might have a bigger platform in North America, but then again, it's it's WWE's platform and they're not getting even a portion of, I mean who knows, like, New Japan Strong probably just have to stay, like basically on their uh, streaming site and in a little warehouse with no fans in order for that to kind of like continue, you know? Right. Or they uh, might
2: might try to turn Strong into, a, like, an Evolve, like, alright we're gonna send our NXT guys over there and they're gonna beat all your Strong guys.
3: Yeah, <laughs> NXT Strong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know, man. Um, I I think there's a, from like a personal standpoint, I just don't want to see it at all. I have no, no desire. I understand from a um, talent perspective, nobody has a better roster than WWE. And it's been that way for five or six years now. And, you know, I, I understand we do a new Japan podcast, but a spade is a spade. And, it's just the truth. When it comes to raw talent, the greatest collection of talent in the world is always in WWE. They just happen to be the worst at utilizing that talent in a meaningful way. So, like, yeah, I do understand that there are incredible wrestlers there. Many who've been in New Japan in the past. Many who haven't that I'd like to see at some point. But, I mean, I have no desire for to see WWE contracted wrestlers facing off against New Japan contracted wrestlers in any scenario, really. Like, I just don't. And then when I think about the gimmickry, like, think about Alexa Bliss, what they're doing with Aleister Black, the zombies, you know, I don't know, just all that shit. Like, it's just so bad. I, Miz and Morrison, like, ugh. I, I don't want anything like that touching the New Japan product. Like, that just sounds like, after how hard this year has been, and how bad things have been. The idea of more contamination like that just ugh, it makes my stomach turn. Yeah, just that, it, that. That's something that could make me, like, if it were to go too bad, that's that's maybe something that could actually make me not want to do keeping a strong style.
2: Yeah, that's, yeah. That's like the worst of the worst that would happen. That's like the
3: worst case scenario. <laughs> that, yeah.
2: And I'm just picturing, you know, Hiromu chasing our true for the
3: 24 7 title. Um, you know, bro, I don't want to see Okada lose to the, you know, I don't want to see him wrestle the big dog at WrestleMania and acknowledging, you know, him as the head of the table. Like what? Ugh. <laughs> God, no, uh,
0: but,
3: uh, not that that would ever happen, but just ugh, stuff like that. I just think about it like, oh my God. Also, I mean, worst case scenario, women start wrestling in New Japan, you know, <laughs> That cerulean blue is sacred I mean <laughs> No I'm just playing That would that would be the least of our worries Unless it was like you know Alexa Bliss <laughs> Yeah unless it was like Alexa Bliss And like uh, N- Natty Against I don't know Tamina and Carmella Or some shit <laughs> Ugh
2: well, uh, let's dive in some questions here. We've got a lot of questions on this subject. So, uh, first, Viking Pan has a series of questions here. First, it says, how long do you think this wwe NJPW partnership has been in play? I remember hearing Brody Lee talk about how Triple H offered him a chance to work for New Japan when he was still with the WWE, and that had been that had to be two years ago.
3: Yeah, I don't know that that was ever something that could actually happen, you know, Um who knows what the deal is with that? That I've I thought when I heard that during that interview, I thought it was really weird. But um, like I've said, they've had different relationships over the years at different times, and I mean, you know, Albert was uh, a huge part of New Japan at one point. When he left, that was sort of like a kind of connection and bridge that they still kind of had ongoing. So I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the situation is at this point, but I mean things were definitely friendlier at one point, even, you know, um, Liger worked, <laughs> you know, NXT, uh, not to say that new Japan was happy about that. Cause I, if I recall, they weren't, they actually were doing a show in New York that same night with ROH, right. Yeah, Uh, field of honor, but, and his, you know, his contract allows him to work as a freelancer anywhere he wanted. Um, and he was kind of doing a favor for Regal, but, um, You know, at the same time, like that was also a period where the IWGP titles were referenced a lot on television. There was passing of promotional material between the two companies back then.
2: There's a lot of a lot of footage, a lot of pictures for guys like Finn Balor and Nakamura, AJ, the good brothers and stuff like that.
3: Yeah, they had a, a friendlier relationship, but I think this current thing we're talking about, I mean, we can't speculate. All we can say is what we know, and what we know is it's been going on for maybe a month, maybe two. That's what we know. Could have been, you know, could there be more that we don't know? Of course, but that's what we know.
2: Right. And until we get a, an official statement, it's all speculation, all rumors. We won't know if they're still talking or the talks are still going on. Uh, his next question: If you were ROH, AEW, Impact, CMLL, RevPro, or any other promotion working with New Japan, what would you try to do to get New Japan to stay on your side? What can you offer them that WWE can't? Because I'm just going to say it, New Japan would be crazy not to explore the possibility of working with Adobe if it was on the table. The money they can make in the dream matchups far exceeds anything these promotions could offer.
3: My my whole thing is, um, right now with how things are so in flux with New Japan management and the way things have been this past year, God only knows what is really going on. Maybe this is something they're considering. Maybe it's not. You know, we don't know. But I do I feel like it could be a, uh, a possibility just given how this past year has been and everything like that? Yeah, I do. And also keep in mind, like, they still have, like, shareholders that they have to answer to and and board meetings, everything like that. And So, I mean, if there really was a possibility to work with WWE and it was – I don't know. Like you said, that is something they could easily pass up on. But um, I, I don't think it's gonna happen.
2: Yeah, I mean, and as far as like what can these other you know partner promotions offer New Japan that WWE can't? I mean, I think just the the confidence in the booking and how they're going to use talent. Uh, you know, we've seen guys come over from North America, and we've seen several companies drop the ball with them. But uh, I think WWE would be just another one that would drop the ball, and I think. They, they have a better chance putting their faith in AEW and, and impact now and rev pro and some of these other promotions to send young lions for excursion.
3: I don't know that there's much that the other companies could do to stop it. You know, I feel like they're sort of a non-factor in all this, meaning if a deal were to be worked out, let's say a week from now, that's it. It's, it's going to happen. You know, I don't think that any of these companies, AEW included really have a lot to offer. Um, Money wise, you know, um, creatively, you know, there's not really much that they could do. Period. Um, I'm still like, you know, once everything kind of gets better with this pandemic, how how much longer are we going to see people, you know, working AEW, Impact, you know, ROH, all that sort of stuff? Like, that just seems, um, non-sustainable especially right. given the way that new japan has been
2: right especially since new japan they want a foothold here in the western market they want a tour they want to do big shows you know they were planning on doing wrestle dynasty and msg which i'm sure WWE wasn't happy about them using you know quote unquote WWE's building um and so you know they're, they're going to want to eventually you know maybe get fans in for strong and maybe take strong on tour or something like that so it's going to be very hard with new japan Working with these companies, but also trying to compete for the same market, same fans, trying to get TV deals. So it's gonna, you, you made a good point. It's definitely going to be interesting once things kind of clear up and New Japan's you know getting kind of back on their game plan for the Western expansion.
3: Yeah. So I mean, we'll see. I don't know. I don't even know what's. I mean, the very fact that they're working with these, all these companies is still kind of a little bit mind boggling. I'm not mad about it, but I'm just confused. So I'm like, what's the long term? you know, outcome of all this going to be. My thinking is it probably will be them working with AEW, which, um, you know, I think the one thing that I've kind of talked about in the past is like, you know, um, from a booking perspective, who, who gets the power, right? You know, and, and at this point, I think most of these things are not partnerships. I think they're all kind of just one-off deals, you know, a, a trade for trade. Like, um, or at least with AEW, it seems that way with with impact I don't know I, <laughs> I think impacts just glad to feature the, you know new Japan guys period right
2: because we haven't seen any impact guys come over to strong yet and obviously no impact guys have been able to go over to Japan or know the, those rumors of the good brothers are if potentially supposed to go over uh, but due to the pandemic that hasn't happened so yeah' not sure if we're gonna see any impact guys on new Japan we will see. Uh, so this next question, which five guys from the WWE would you send to New Japan and vice versa? Are you guys ready for a zombie lumberjack match to be a KOPW stipulation? Nope.
3: Uh, <laughs> not really. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know who I would send. I mean, is who would you send?
2: I mean, uh, initially my head just goes to the former guys that were there. I'm thinking, you know, Ricochet, Finn Balor, Nakamura... War Raiders um, probably be like, in the top of mind. Maybe AJ Styles. You do some kind of you know Bullet Club
3: storyline with him. Yeah, I mean, the the reality is the amount of talent that exists are in WWE. Like I mentioned, are just it's so vast. Um, couple guys that I would send, and I'm just kind of spitballing here. I would definitely send Rey Mysterio Jr. Mm, yeah. Uh, that was someone they really wanted to do business with someone that they could draw well with and someone that's well known. Um, I would do, I would bring back AJ for sure. Um, obviously there's Nakamura, but I'm, I'm not sure. I think Ricochet is another one Yeah. Um, that WWE probably doesn't care that much about, but, uh, new Japan could probably do business with him, um, for sure. From I'm kind of thinking back to like NXT. I mean, I mean what about Walter? Oh, Walter! Yeah, that's one. That's a big one. I'd Walter. Uh, maybe Cesaro. Mm, yeah, I think he he would do really well there. And then, bro. There's so many. There's like, so many great we, guys. We didn't even get to NXT. I mean, there's a lot of people there. You know, Finn Bell or Swerve, Gargano. You know, um, Kushida, Kyle O'Reilly. And the list goes on and on. Pete Dunn,
2: yeah, uh, Adam Cole, uh, Mustafa Ali. I think is a guy who could do well in the junior division.
3: Yeah, so I mean, there's there's a lot of options there.
2: Yeah. He also says, with Leo Rush signing with New Japan, is it a lock that he'll be in this year's Best Super Junior? And which faction would you put him in?
3: I don't think it's a lock because I think part of the the issue is you know, the travel restrictions and the, um, the visa issue. So is it a possibility? Sure. I mean, I don't even know that he really is signed. It's something that Dave reported, which means it probably is likely, but I don't even know that that's a hundred percent confirmed, you know?
2: Right. Cause new Japan, they don't really announce like, they're not like AW like, you know, this person is all elite. We've signed this person or, you know, WWE says if we signed this person because remember Cobb was like, I'm gonna wait to announce my signing when the company does it. And all, clearly, it was New Japan. New Japan has never announced. Oh yeah, we signed Jeff Cobb. So they're not. If they sign Leo Rush, they're not gonna announce him. But the, I think
3: I think once he like became the the member of you know the United Empire, that was sort of like their unofficial way of doing it. You know.
2: Right. Um, I will say, you know, there are not many New Japan strong guys that are on the profiles on their website. But Leo Rush is one of those, along with uh, filthy Tom Lawler and I think two other guys. I can't remember who the other two guys were right now. So maybe there is The other thing
3: too, we don't know what the details of these alleged deals even are, if they even include working New Japan. I, I think it would be, of course, foolish to invest, you know, good time and money into a talent that you didn't plan to use in your domestic market. But I mean, I could also see a potential where Maybe these guys are signed to like low yielding deals, similar to like what NXT UK talents were signed to when they uh, did the UK brand. And it's like you're signed, but it's not like they're a full fledged domestic roster member, you know? Right. And that's and I'm just speculating there. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't. We don't really know the details. But uh, I think if he can make it to Japan, yeah, he's a lock for Super Juniors. But we don't even know if he can.
2: Right. Because the big issue with there is. Guys who did not have visas before the pandemic can't get into the country, which is why we're the guys who did have visas got like ELP, GOD. That's why they're able to go back and forth right now, but not guys like Leo Rush, Filthy Tom, Chris Dickinson. They don't have new visas and they have to get visas before they can get back in. With the pandemic, that's going to take a while. Right. Uh, And his last question As Tony Khan said from his cringy promo, there can only be (laughs) one con in the wrestling business. So. F Mary Kill, Tony Khan, Nick Khan, and the Great
3: Ocon. Oh, that's a tough question. <laughs> I mean, I would F the Great Ocon because <laughs> he just seems like a really passionate guy, you know. <laughs> um from a Mary standpoint, I'd probably have to marry Nick Khan because like while I appreciate Tony Khan, I think he's a great candidate for the Mary um, you know, classification. And he gets things done. Like no one seems to be the kind of like deal maker that you know Nick Khan is. And the fact that he'd be able to provide for me in that way from a financial standpoint seems to make him like the optimum partner for me. So gonna have to marry Nick and unfortunately I'm gonna have to kill Tony Khan, which you know, will be a blow to the wrestling industry, unfortunately. Yeah, but I'm thinking of my future. <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> the future could be bright with TK. You know, onus jag the Jaguars, uh, the Fulham football team, the, the Khan family. It'll be-
3: yeah, it would be bright, but I feel like it would be brighter with Nick. I, he just—I don't know. There's something about him, you know. I
2: don't know, man. <laughs> that man be in the shadows. I, I don't, I don't really—I don't, I don't really trust that man. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I think, yeah, I, I'll, I'll go with F. Grado Khan, marry Tony Khan, and I'll kill Nick Khan.
3: Oh, wow. You're playing games with your future, bro. <laughs> you need to invest in yourself, level up, you know? <laughs> oh,
2: man. Uh, so, next question here for Rambo and Slam Pigs. I heard that Leo rushed a pair at Double or Nothing as a talent signed New Japan. Who was appearing on loan to further that relationship? Do you know if that is accurate? I always assumed he was just a freelancer because he seems to work a lot of places.
3: Well, I have not heard that he was on loan. Uh, from the reports that we've read and what we've heard, he was there under a handshake deal. Could it be something to further the partnership between the two of them? Possibly, but it didn't come off that way sounding to me.
2: Yeah, I mean, on commentary, did, they did mention that he wrestles in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, they did mention that, but... Yeah, I think it's just a, kind of a handshake deal. I mean, Leo, obviously, he kind of has a deal to kind of work wherever in the U.S., especially since he can't get to Japan. So, obviously, if he is under a New Japan contract, they're allowing him to work AEW, MLW, GCW while he's in the States.
3: Is he still our, our uh, um, AAA champion?
2: No. So, did, did you hear about what happened with that? No. So, apparently, AAA did not approve the title change. So the, the, what? Yeah, they they did the title change. Uh, he beat Loreto Kid, but then the, the next Triple A show, like, Loreto Kid walks walks out with the title, and like Triple A is pretty much retconning the fact that Leo Rush ever like beat him and hella a title.
3: Oh, okay, that's cool. And then, and then
2: like the next MLW, like Loreto Kid just walks out with the title, and like it's kind of like, oh yeah.
3: So did, did did MLW address this in any way or no?
2: I haven't watched. I just I just heard like Lanza and them talking about it. What happened? So, except they had another matchup, and like Larerick just walked out with the belt already, and it was like weird. I don't know how they addressed it on TV, but yeah, Triple A wasn't That's down cool. That. <laughs> uh, Rambo's other question he says When Bushiro re- re- rebrands New Japan as NXT Japan, will you guys still do the podcast? No. We, we might be doing, uh, you know, keeping it Cyber Agent. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, man, I I couldn't do a podcast about a WWE version of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Like, no way. Yeah. Uh,
2: EMJ does PR. says Tony Khan said he talked to NJPW before cutting his WWE promo. He also said they've got lots of plans and ideas for the relationship. What would an ideal relationship between AEW and New Japan look like from the business perspective? This year, NGW has had its People Work Impact, AW, MLW in the US. They're on TV, pay-per-viewing titles. So I got to ask: is Rocky Romero finesseur of the year?
3: Oh, he's got to be a candidate, candidate for finesseur of the year. Um, yeah. Rich, James, if you guys are listening, probably just Rich. Um, yeah, you definitely need to put that in the docket for sure. But uh, I mean, I feel like an ideal version of the partnership would be similar to what we've been seeing in the most recent pass out of aw with them featuring you know new japan talents and titles and things like that but in reverse so i mean i would really love at some point if they are going to continue this to start seeing some of you know um the aw talent featured in tournaments featured on tours you know, and storylines, that sort of thing, you know, kind of reciprocate it both ways, both in Japan and on strong. So, you know, I, I think the ideal situation would just be more, you know, more of what we're seeing right now.
2: Right. And, and with, you know, AW's, you know, limited schedule, you know, a lot of the younger guys could use more dates, more places to work, more experience, work with some different guys. And so, yeah, more get, get some guys on strong, get some guys to Japan when you can send them over to Japan.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, one thing I'm thinking is like, uh, not to say that AEW needs to completely like put all their promotional power behind New Japan guys, but I mean, you know, if for instance, let's say let's say you're gonna have Darby Allen go to Japan. Well, Darby Allen's a, a ratings mover, but you don't want to deny him a, the ability to work Japan. So, you know, maybe you write him out in story in AEW. In the meantime, you hype up whoever – who who would be a, a, a nice little replacement for, like, a, I don't know, two weeks, three weeks over in America from Japan? Uh,
2: So replacing Darby Allen for somebody from Japan?
3: Yeah, who's someone that you could send over there that, that would, like, be a, a difference maker on television, you know? Let's say Hiromu.
2: Yeah, that's what I was thinking, yeah.
3: Okay, so you send Hiromu, you know, and that, I think that that sort of I sort of thing is somewhat ideal because both guys mean something to each company, and you know you put promotional, um, you know you put the promotional power behind Hiromu before you bring him in, and then that way he's kind of helping with the ratings when he's you know doing whatever it is that he's doing with AEW, getting kind of highlighted, featured at the same time Darby can come work, you know, a tour here, be featured, you know, maybe build up to a big match at, you know, whatever XYZ, you know, B-level pay-per-view you have and then and then they they go back, you know. I would like to see more talent trades like that sort of situation going on. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be simultaneous either, you know. Maybe one month they send a guy, then the next month they send a guy, something like that, you know. They obviously the tag uh situation in aw there's a lot of tag teams that could really help some of these tag tournaments that new japan has been kind of lacking in also their tag divisions in general
2: right we want to see you know god versus techers for six months in a row you can you know throw in a proud and powerful you can throw in a jurassic express um Sidell brothers you can you can throw in a bunch of different teams into that new japan tag
3: division yeah Yeah I saw Matt put something out About wanting to win the junior title
2: Yeah yeah I retweeted that He was like yeah I want to get a shot I'm your next IWGP junior team Something like that he said so Interesting yeah
3: we'll see We'll see if he can get into the country (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: Next set of questions here from Dom Homie 101 thoughts on The reports of Leo Rush signing with New Japan How would you guys introduce Leo Rush To the Japanese audience I would
3: just do vignettes and then bring him out and have him have a killer match with a Desperado for the title.
2: Yeah. I I think we've kind of seen the the formula, of how you you bring somebody in. We've seen it kind of with Mox and some of these other guys that they've brought in over a couple of years. You, You do these, you know, ELP, you do these weeks of kind of vignettes, you get the character hyped up and then you debut them on a big stage and have them win a big match, have a great match. And, off to the road there, I mean, especially if you do it kind of like with ELP, right before Best of Super Junior time, get a big win, and big debut, and then he's in the, the Super Junior Tournament, I think that's that's a great way, because then he has a series of a bunch of great matches with the Junior Division.
3: As far as the uh, faction question goes, I mean, I'm looking at you know, LIJ, Bullet Club, Suzuki and Chaos United Empire, and then obviously there's just Hontai. Um... I honestly feel like he fits in best with just the general unit. Right, yeah. I I wouldn't put him with any of the other factions. Now, if he could fit into maybe, like, some sort of factional unit in America with New Japan Strong and kind of represent that faction in Japan, that might be a little different. But, like, I just don't see him – the only group I could see him being a good fit into is United Empire. Right.
2: But with the way he wrestles, like, I think he'd be a great babyface, and I, I wouldn't want to stick him in, in a heel stable right now.
3: Oh, you think, I, I think Leo Rush is 100% a heel all the time, and I think he's a terrible babyface. I think Leo Rush is the shit when it comes to babyface.
2: I think from, like, a match perspective, I guess maybe his style is a better babyface, but yeah, his, as far as promos and character, he's a better heel that way.
3: He can work babyface, and see that's part of the, the issues. I think he works better as a baby, but um, his mannerisms, his facials, his speech, everything about him screams heel. You yeah, know, cocky, arrogant heel <laughs> he is matistic. <laughs> so I mean, I don't know, and that's part of the. That's part of maybe some of what I have an issue with when it comes to Leo Rush is, like, he works better as a babyface, but everything about him screams heel. Yeah. I don't think he's kind of totally found that bat. Like, you know, for instance, ELP does stuff that would traditionally be, you know, uh, within a babyface's repertoire, but he knows how to, like, throw enough heelish tendencies into there where no one's kind of going to cheer that guy, really. Right.
2: Uh, this last question here, any thoughts on the reports or talks between NJPW and WWE about possibly on a working relationship, which would include Daniel Bryan? Working some dates in New Japan, I feel like New Japan should be open relationship stage when it comes with working with these other companies. So we've pretty much talked about that. I don't know if you have any other final thoughts on that.
3: Hate it. <laughs> Hated it. <laughs> Hated it. Hated <laughs> it.
2: Well I think that's going to wrap up our discussion On the WWE and New Japan working together rumors Let's uh, move on to some of the shows that have been Happening in the last week So after we recorded we Had the road to Grand Slam The last show on May 26th uh, show opened up With uh, returning Okada Cutting a speech saying you know he wants to be In the title picture and the next time you see him He'll be in his gear um, Then we opened up with Shingo Defeating Yota Suji by ref decision 11 minute and nine seconds really good opener there
3: yeah that was um out of these early shows that's like probably one of the highlights for me that match
2: yeah and uh, and shingo kind of busting out this you know new submission to uh get the ref stoppage on um suji
3: yeah i'm wondering if that's kind of just a red herring um I don't think we've seen too many really successful um, submission finisher debuts in recent times. Like, the last time I remember someone busting one out that's been, like, a difference maker is, like, maybe, like, uh, when um, Ishimori started doing, like, the Yes Lock.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: But, like, yeah, a lot of – I don't know. I I still got a bad taste in my mouth from the –
2: Money clip. From –
3: yeah, from the money clip. <laughs>
2: uh, then we had Tanahashi, Tenzan, and Wato defeating Chase Owens, Taiji Ishimori, Yujiro Takahashi, ten minutes fifty-eight seconds. Then Guerrilla Destiny defeated Doki and Zack Sabre Jr. Fourth match, semi-main event. We had Great O'Khan and Jeff Cobb defeating Kota Ibushi and Tomioka Hanma. Been loving the interactions between Cobb and Ibushi. I think their match coming up is going to be phenomenal. Yeah,
3: um, Cobb just, he looks like he's on fire right now, man. Like, he's at a different level, and um, I'm very excited for that match.
2: Yeah, that's, yeah, it's going to be a really good match. And We did have a question here from Stale Burger Bun. How do you think NJPW will handle United Empire while Osprey is gone? Do they get pushed into the background until he comes back? Or does Great Ocon or Cobb take over leadership?
3: I, I think we only see someone take over the role as leader in a definitive way, provided Will's not coming back. In the meantime, I think we've already sort of started to see Ocon be the, the mouthpiece of the group, regardless of whether or not Osprey was the leader. And I expect that to kind of continue. Um, I wouldn't um mistake or assume that just because he's the one talking in the these next few months that that means he's the leader or anything like that because that's kind of how it already was
2: right yeah he was you know the Japanese speaker of the group
3: but as far as like um how they handle it I just figure that the group just kind of continues on until he's able to come back similar to how the bull club sort of operated last year while Jay White was stuck in the states.
2: Right, and there's still a bunch of stuff you can do with them um, after the Abuji feud. You, you can you can do Cobb and Ocon as a team against Dangerous Techers. You could do um, Cobb, Khan, and Hanare as a, a six-man team. You can, you can split those guys up into some single feuds. There's a lot of stuff you can do with those guys.
3: Yeah, the nice thing with United Empire that's beneficial to them in this situation is they're not a group filled with... um. A lot of pin eaters a lot of like cannon fodder and you know um meandering managers things like that everyone has a very definitive place and role within the group and has spotlight on them right now so there's a lot of feuds and purposes that you can kind of apply to them regardless of whether um osprey healthy and in, in the company still so that's not really something i'm worried about at all i mean there's a lot you could be doing with those three guys
0: Right,
2: Then we had the main event of the evening Sonata and Naito Defeating Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi uh, Post match Naito calls out Yoshihashi to a uh, challenge For the never six man titles Then Bushi comes out uh, they, all, they jump Yoshihashi Then Goto makes a save with the bow staff And accepts the challenge That sets up the never six man title match Which will be happening on tomorrow's Road to Dominion show
3: yeah, um that should be pretty good. Um which will take us to the next day, road to Dominion on June 1st, which was today.
2: Yep, so a uh, nice little to show here in Cork and Hall show opened up. We had a return of a lot of people who were out um from from COVID. So first show opened up, we uh, first match opened up, we had Desperado Suzuki and Kanamaru defeating Rapungi 3K and Yuuemura. Um I thought all these guys were working really hard after coming back from, um, you know, being on the shelf here.
3: Yeah, so um, there was one elbow where Suzuki hit show with it, and show just, like, completely, like, just went stiff. I loved the sell-off of it. Like, everyone here looked good, and it's glad to see everyone healthy. Uh, You know, there was confirmation that Desperado had COVID, not only had it, but was, like, under intense, like, doctor care. Right, had to go to the hospital, Yeah. Yes, yeah, so it sounds like he had it pretty bad, but uh, everyone here looked great.
2: Yeah. Uh, then we had uh, the Bullet Club team of Chase, ELP, back in Japan, Evil, and Taiji Shimori defeating Tanahashi, Taguchi, Tiger Mask, and Hanma. Almost in a kind of return here of uh, Team Taguchi Japan. We got the Taguchi Japan pose here. Taguchi calling the plays, but it was not good enough to um, beat the Bullet Club team here then we had the United Empire of Great Okan Jeff Cobb defeating Kotobushi and Yotosuji. Uh, also continuing that build there.
3: Yeah, um the United Empire team's just been like running roughshod over Kotobushi and friends. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Kotobushi and, and Lions.
3: <laughs> and the the Cobb fucking Kabagoye. Oh my. I think it, Gosh, yeah, bro. His Kabagoyes are just – he's murdering people. I think they might be better than Abushi's. They're much better than Abushi's. I, I wouldn't want to take it from him. I don't know if he—if it's safe or not. It probably is, knowing how good he is. But, like, they look like they hurt so bad. They look like they're murder – like he's just obliterating people. So, yeah, he's been hitting people with the – and for those of you who are wondering, I'm not saying Kamagoye. I'm saying Kabagoye. Yes, the
2: superior. <laughs> he's
3: Kabagoye. He's Kaba going the fuck out of people
2: Yeah dude if I were him I'd be like Let's have a match where I, I win the finish And that's my new finisher
3: nah, <laughs> nah bro he's like look at me Look at me This is my move now <laughs> I'm, the
2: captain. I'm the captain now <laughs> Oh man uh, Then uh, semi main event Of the evening we had uh, Hold on screen Oh here we go chaos uh, Goto I was Ka- like
3: I got it if you need it
2: <laughs> Yeah my iPad freaked out for a second there. Uh, Chaos team of Goto, Okada, Ishii, and Yoshihashi defeating the LIJ team of Bushi, Sonata, Shingo, and Tetsuya Naito. So, good seeing Okada and Shingo mix it up before their title match. And uh, also good seeing Okada and Naito mix it up as well, too.
3: I thought this was interesting, though, in the fact that the Chaos team are all champions, and the challengers got beat pretty soundly here.
2: Yeah, that that is true. I wonder if that's kind of like a red herring for a title change in one of the two title matches.
3: I don't know what it means. Uh, Maybe it just means that, like, Bushi sucks. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man.
2: Yeah, the lone junior in, in the match. So... Then the uh, the main event of the evening, we had the IWGP Tag Team Titles on the line. The Dangerous Techers, Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr. Defeat Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatonga, Tengalo. We have new IWGP Tag Team Champions. Um, and, and the best news of all, we had the return of Miho Abe uh, coming out here with Dangerous Techers. She was... Just in tears and emotional being back in Cork and Hall, being back by the side of her man, Tai Chi and accompanying uh, Dangerous Techers. What do you think about this matchup?
3: Yeah, I have not got to this match yet. Uh, With yesterday being a holiday and today being a crazy day uh, with work, I am aware of what happened. Um, I heard the match was good, but I have not seen it yet. I saw your post on our Twitter account saying that the match was very good. Um, the match they had at Wrestle Kingdom was, you know, in my opinion, about a four star affair. So you're saying this is better than that? I've seen some people say it wasn't that good though. So I mean, what what are your you know what would your answer be to that? What you know, what did you like here? Give us the breakdown.
2: Yeah, so I think the thing I liked here about this match is it was pretty much straight for the most part straight wrestling I me mean, cuz they they had, they had Jado and um Doki go to the back towards the beginning of the match. So you only had uh Mio Abe out there, which they did, they do, they did do a spot where uh Tama like grabbed Miho Abe to uh, bait uh tai chi in which I didn't see any fans complaining online about, you know, uh Tama, you know, pretty much
3: strangling Mio Abe, but Anyway. Well that's because they're not in relationships, so this wasn't domestic violence. This was just man on woman violence, which is different because uh in this context, he's a wrestler who's trained and she's not. And wait, uh but he didn't hurt. Her. Well, I guess B didn't get hurt. I don't know. It doesn't, It's it's the same, right? Right. It's the same. Yeah. It's a show, right? It's the same. Okay.
2: Yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah. And then uh, <laughs> there, there wasn't too much shenanigans here in this match. Uh, they got the heat on uh, Taichi, uh, the beginning part of the match there. Um, and then Sabre came in running wild. And there's it, a lot of great uh, tag sequences. There was a, a lot of great near falls. Uh there was a spot towards the end where Doki and Jio did come back in, but that was pretty quick wasn't too egregious no no ref bumps um, and I, I thought G.O.D. did do some cheating, but it was kind of some smart cheating, um, kind of distracting the ref, not nothing out of this world like egregious there and so yeah, I thought it worked really well here. I thought both teams were working really hard. I love the 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 interactions with Sabre and Tangaloa. And I, I think Tangaloa is a guy who just really needs to to mix it up with some better wrestlers. Uh and he's stuck in, in tag team matches forever. I, I think if you get Tangaloa in there with some for Goto or Ishii or some of these guys, I think he would definitely continue to improve. Um But yeah, overall good match here. Um Sabre gets the win here that they hit the um the super kick Zack Driver combo on Tamatanga. One, two, three. Dangerous checkers get the win. Uh, Mio Abe gets draped with the gold. Um, Zach Sabre uh, post the match. And in the backstage, he said that, you know, they're the best tag team in the world, best tag team in Japan. And since the borders aren't open, that they uh, will challenge any team in Japan. So I wonder if we're going to see some cross promotion within Japan. I wonder if we're going to get some kind of team from a different promotion coming in to face Dangerous checkers in the future.
3: Well, this is um, appropriate. Oscar Rooney just commented on Twitter. He said, sir, you didn't need to leave your initials. We knew who you were when you praised the match by having one of the qualities of that match be Miho Abe. (laughs) <laughs>
2: well, I think I think we both love Mio Abe. I don't I don't think that that specifically for me. Oh no,
3: bro! This is this is your gimmick. You don't <laughs> you don't realize it. You love Mio Abe like a lot more than I do.
2: Um, I mean, I do. She's she's a very talented valet, very you know talented performer, a key uh, component to the Dangerous tickers act. It just was not the same without her. You know, if we had Mio Abe, maybe there wouldn't be any Iron Claw ladder match or any of that stuff. You know, so. I'm, I'm glad she's back. Great performer, great asset to Dangerous Techers and Suzuki Gun.
3: Yeah, that's your. Uh, <laughs> that that's that's your thing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, but you know, I, so yeah. But you
2: know, I, I think back to the Wrestle Kingdom match, and I, I, I'm thinking now maybe the Wrestle Kingdom match might be a little bit better because this match I'm thinking like three point seven five, maybe four. I haven't, I haven't given my official rating on it yet, but. Very good main event, and it was something good to just have something different here on these Cork and Hall shows and to have a match that meant something and that was built up and just not kind of a random kind of throwaway match. And so, yeah, I was happy with the main event and happy with Dangerous Techers being the champions. I hope that we can go in a different direction now, you know, maybe bring Fan Juice back in the company, or, you know, like, like Zach is saying, you know, you bring in. Uh, another team somewhere in Japan I don't know maybe you get strong BJ Or you know Von to jump over something to, to face off the tickers
3: I don't know who is Active and You know good outside of New Japan in Japan um, I There was, a, there was a, a tag Match that happened in Noah That got a lot of praise this past Year I know um, Sakuraba was involved in it but I, I really don't know, like, what team could come over. Re- realistically, I have no idea, so like, I couldn't even begin to speculate on that. But the idea that the real Forbidden Door might get opened <laughs> 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 and New Japan might start working with, uh, you know, um, domestic groups again in some capacity, that would be really cool.
2: Yeah, we don't- I don't,
3: I don't know if that's gonna happen, but.
2: Yeah, I don't know if there's any freelancers out there that's a freelance team, but we talked about, yeah, it'd be cool for New Japan to utilize some of the freelancers or some of these guys from other promotions uh, to kind of help get some fresh matchups and, uh, you know, bulk up the roster that way.
3: So here's the match I was referring to. I looked up in Cage Match. It's actually, for 2021, the highest-rated NOAA match of the year, so it's probably great. It's uh, Masa Mia and Katsuhiko Nakajima against uh, Kazushi Sakuraba and Takashi Segura. It's got an 8.76, and it's got a lot of 10 votes. So um, I think Nakajima and Kitami are about to have a cage match, hair versus hair.
2: I think, yeah, didn't did Zach just post that in, in the uh, the Spoiler Club thread about that?
3: I think so. Um, although, to be fair, the name of that group is not Spoiler Hunter thread. It is the QAnon Hunter thread. <laughs> Q on Hunter Club, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so yeah, yeah. It look it's Nakajima, and then the other guy. I don't know. Maybe it's Kitamiya. Um, it could be somebody else. I don't know. <laughs> but either, hard to say. Hard to say.
2: Yeah. Either way, it, it'd be cool to, to get some um, a great domestic tag team to, to mix it up with Dangerous Techers um, and. and they- it's this-
3: they don't do cage matches in in uh Noah that I I think maybe they've done one other one that I could think of, but yeah, that's kinda crazy.
2: Yeah. So uh, moving on here, so there will be a show, Road to Dominion, June 2nd. So by the time you're listening to us, it, it would have probably already happened or is happening when you're listening to this. So the card for that show, we have Tanahashi, Hanma, Suji, and Yamura against Evil, Chase Owens, Taiji Shimori, and ELP. Then we'll have Roppongi3k and Taguchi against Despi, Kanamaro and Doki. Third matchup, we'll have Dangerous Tekkers and Suzuki against G.O.D. and Jado my main event will have Kota Abushi and Master Wato against Jeff Cobb and the great Okan. And then the main event of this Road to Dominion show will be the Never Open weight Six Man Tag Tiles on the line. Hiroki Goto, Tomerishi, and Yoshihashi defend against Naito, Sonata, and Bushi. Young boy, do you think we're gonna see new Never Open weight Six Man champs?
3: I think there's definitely a possibility. I mean, LIJ is a, a really big component and part of New Japan, and they don't seem to have immediate plans for them. And with considering the lengthy run that Chaos has had, I don't see why not. Right, yeah,
2: they've held the tiles much longer than we're normally used to seeing. Usually, those, those tiles are being hot potatoed around. Um, you know, and Naito and Sonata really haven't been doing anything. They haven't really been locked in feuds. I mean, Naito just got done feeding with the great Okan a few months ago, but really hasn't been doing anything since that. So yeah, I think switching the titles to Lij could be a good move here, but they they do have Bushi on their side though. So I don't yeah, know. I
3: don't have much more to add to that.
2: Oh, I—I think I'm—I think I'm, I'm going to go with uh, with Lij. I remember with, uh, chaos retaining though. I, th- I think they're just going to hold the belts forever. Eh, maybe. So uh, there was supposed to be a Road to Dominion show. Friday on June 4th, but that show has been canceled. The show was to take place at the Ota City uh, General Gymnasium in Tokyo. Uh, New Japan announced on their website that due to the extension of the state of emergency in Tokyo related to COVID-19 pandemic, the event would not take place. So that road to is canceled, which brings us to Dominion, which Dominion did have a a date change as well. Dominion originally scheduled for Sunday, June 6th. Being moved to Monday, June seventh, due to the restrictions that are in Osaka. They don't really want you know weekend events happening in the city. So New Japan, obviously listening to the government, Dominion moved to Monday, June seventh. Three big matchups announced here for Dominion. We have the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Title on the line. Desperado defends against Yo. We have Kota abushi versus Jeff Cobb, and then we have. The fate of the IWGP World Heavyweight title, the vacant title, will be up on the line. The Dragon, Shingo Takagi, will take on the Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada.
3: Um, so, this match, will, will this show have already happened? This is happening Sunday?
2: It's happening on Monday now. Originally scheduled for Sunday, now it's happening on Monday.
3: Okay, so... Wow! So this is our preview show before it happens. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Holy crap! Um, part of me kind of wishes that they would have done the tag title, the uh, never open weight and tag title matches on this show, because now it seems like based on what we know, we're probably going to end up with these three big matches, and then a lot of like multi man matches on the undercard, which I guess is fine. Yeah, we'll, but pro- we'll probably I- just get
2: like two under- two multi man
3: tags. Yeah. But I understand why they probably did that, because with the restrictions and everything like that right now, I mean, even if they loaded up the show, how much more are they going to draw versus what they could have potentially attempted to recoup by at least having meaningful um, main events for these last two Road to Dominion shows? So I get what they're doing. So that's fine. Um, I mean, do you want to go? through these matches match my match real quick. I mean, what do you want to do here? Yeah, let's
2: go about match match. Give our prediction the thought. So first off, junior title match, that's and yo obviously which was supposed to happen uh, a while back, but it's happening now.
3: Yeah, it's happening now, but uh, because, you know, these guys were off the uh, tour, there was issues with like COVID and things like that. Um, quarantining. This just feels like an incredibly cold match to me personally. Um, that being said, I think Desperado's winning here, especially given the fact that Sho and Yo are now the junior tag team champions, uh, once again, um, it is unfortunate because Yo and Desperado had a lot of, uh, momentum built up, um, you know, in previous months heading into the title match that they're going to have. And right now it just feels very cold, but I'm hoping that the match really delivers.
2: Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I think Desperado is going to retain here. That they, they, they try their best to try and heat this thing up on today's Roti Show. I'm sure they're, they're going to try and do some stuff on tomorrow's Roti Show as well. But like you mentioned, yeah, it's just coming in cold. And I, I don't think a, kind of a flash tile change here is the right call. I would keep it on Despy here.
3: Um, next match, which will probably be the semi-main event, Kota Bushi versus Jeff Cobb. This is... Um, Probably the match with the best build, or definitely the best build, unless you consider the history between the two two challengers in the main event. But, you know, as far as, like, personal issues go, this is the match uh, that's kind of um, out there right now. Uh, it's sort of a crossroads match for both guys, because, you know, Ab- this feud started after Abushi dropped the title to Will Ospreay a couple months back hasn't really done anything of of note since then, sort of um, been dealing with an injury and been losing on undercard tag matches to Cobb and friends. So uh, on the flip side, you know, Jeff Cobb has sort of made a name for himself by by joining the Empire, but has yet to really have a big, major definitive win in this group. Um, You know, he's had some wins, but he hasn't really beat a top name in New Japan yet as a member of the United Empire. And so this could potentially be his coming out party. And it's a big deal, too, especially considering, you know, the state New Japan's in with talent and relations and, you know, kind of the power vacuum that's there. So I think there's a huge opportunity for both guys. Um, And I don't – I really don't know which way I'm leaning. Like, Logic would tell me Ibushi probably needs the comeback victory. But I'm also like, maybe you can make something out of Jeff Cobb here, maybe, you know. But then, at what expense, you know? How much does that hurt Ibushi, you know?
2: Yeah, I, I don't think a loss to Cobb here would hurt Ibushi that much. I think Ibushi pretty established, and if, if I had the book, I I would go with Jeff Cobb winning here, create a new monster Gaijin, create somebody that can challenge for the title. I think he could challenge the winner of Shingo Okada. I think either or that there there's history between both sets of guys there that you could you could run Cobb against either one of those
3: guys. Here's the thing with Ibushi. Ibushi is established at a certain level, but I think they made a big attempt this year to put him into a new, uh, you know, stratosphere. Mm, you know, yeah, and I don't think that really happened. You know, I think he kind of just stayed at the same level. You know, and the whole. You know, him being a god thing didn't really play out the way that maybe he planned or whoever came up with that storyline really planned. Um, So I am wondering if after sort of being seen as a failed champion to some degree, him suffering another loss right off the heels of that might be detrimental or maybe that's part of a long play. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go with Ibushi because I think that that's your traditional New Japan style booking but I would be, I'd be happier to see Jeff Cobb kind of pick up the big W here,
2: right? And I think there's a compelling story to tell of Cobb winning, and you can kind of sell maybe you know Obushi didn't come, he came back too early, and it's kind of part of his kind of you know tragedy story that they tell, and then he kind of continues to, have to build his way up and get some redemption, and then which will lead to some kind of big match at the uh, Tokyo Dome for Wrestle Kingdom.
3: The other thing too, uh, that's a, that's an interesting point. I mean. I, You've got these two big shows, if they even are still happening coming up. and it's like this might be a de facto number one contender match. And part of me feels like you know, Cobb might not be a bad opponent for whoever wins the title, either way, like I think on paper that looks great. but um you know, ibushi has got you know uh, history with both challengers and right. has had fantastic matches with both of them in big spots. And that's kind of the other reason I'm thinking, like, they might go with Old Faithful. Uh, in in situations like this, New Japan just tends to be more cautious and reserved than you know um, anything else. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know, man. I can you imagine like Okada Cobb? That 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 to me sounds like a really cool, fun, exciting, you know, title challenge. So I don't know.
2: Yeah, that sounds fun. And if it's Cobb's Jingo, we saw what they did at Wrestle Kingdom this year, right. run it back for the title and a big main event, that would be excellent as well.
3: Right. Um, which is going to take us to the main event, the IWGP World Heavyweight title match between the Dragon, Shingo Takagi, taking on the Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada.
2: So, what do you think about this just kind of being the announced title match, no tournament, no playing matches, no eliminated, no qualifying matches, just picking these two guys here?
3: Well, we talked about it last week and i said quite as much i said that they probably didn't have enough time to do anything if they did it needed to be a one-night tournament and we've already seen some quasi one-night tournaments on these tokyo dome shows that sort of negate that idea from even being plausible uh if it was me i think i I still might go with the one-night tournament especially considering look right now we've got Three matches announced, and I feel like you could have maybe done something a little bit more exciting. Included, you know, included some of the names that we mentioned last week. Had some compelling matches, but they're not going that way. So, with that being said, I um, I'm not excited for this match. Uh, anyone who listened to the show last week knows my reasoning because, as I mentioned, Shingo just came off of two really big losses back-to-back, back. and if he loses again, that's a third. And I don't think the optics of that are great for him.
2: Yeah, and honestly, from, from a kind of a kayfabe perspective, it's like, yeah, he just lost he lost the New Japan Cup Finals. He lost uh, a straight-up title match that was clean, and now he's getting the next title shot against a guy who's already in line to get get a title shot. So from from that perspective, it does look kind of weird. But honestly, we, we've seen what Okada and Shingo can do together. They, they have great matches. So it's going to be a great man event. Well,
3: well, you know, the funny thing is, I'm never as high on those matches as everyone else is.
2: I know, yeah. You're, you're always at the low man of those.
3: I don't know why. I, I just, they're good, but I'm just not into Okada and Shingo for some reason, even though I want to be. I like last year at the G1, it was like my most anticipated match, and then I was a little disappointed. I don't know.
2: I don't know, man. I love the matches. I love the G1 match. I love the New Japan Cup match. Uh, but, yeah, so, but I, I kind of get what New Japan's doing here. Obviously, you have Okada, the guy that was already in line for the championship match. And then Shingo, the last guy that was in a championship match. And even though he lost, still very popular. I feel like his stock was uh, elevated with that match from Will Ospreay. And so, probably, you know, just the guy in their mind makes the most sense to go against Okada. And so, I think it'll be a great matchup, um, interesting title match here. And yeah, I mean, we've heard the rumors that the plan was to give the belt to Okada, have him beat Will, and then go from there. But I mean, is there a chance here for Shingo to win the title, especially after he just is coming off of two big losses?
3: Um, Listen, he beat Okada clean um, back in February, March during the New Japan Cup. I just don't see him. Beating him clean right now for the title. I mean, think about it. If he beat him twice back to back, that's sort of, you know, hinting at a story that he's got Okada's number. Can you imagine them telling a story that Shingo's the guy that has Okada's number? I don't see them telling that story at all.
2: Yeah, I mean,. Previously how Shingo had booked, I wouldn't say that, but the fact lately, I feel like they're trying to elevate him to that that kind of upper main event level, and maybe this is a way to do
3: it. I'm very confident (laughs) (laughs) that they are planning to bring him up to that upper level, but slowly and not like in a, not in this manner. I mean, I'm going to, is it possible? Anything's possible. And if it does happen, I would be pleasantly surprised and a little bit shocked. I don't see it happening. I'm not anticipating it whatsoever. Uh, if it was me and I was betting money, I would put I' bet the house on Okada right now. That's how strongly I feel about it.
2: Yeah, I'm going with you there. you know, I love Shingo and I would love to see him win the world title here. But yeah, I'm going with Okada as well. like we talked about last week. When business down, you you put the belt on the ace, you put the belt on, on your your moneymaker, your top guy. Um, so I definitely see, you know, putting the belt here on Okada, kind of having him, you know, back on, on the throne here and help New Japan in this very tough time when they're kind of struggling financially and, and need as many people in, in the buildings that they can fill up.
3: And so obviously having Okada on top will help with that. Yeah, I mean... Um I think they just basically threw the top two guys that they had into the title match and just said, fuck it, because everything got ruined anyways. And that's the way they're going. And, um, you know, we've heard the reports that the the plans had been for Okada to win the title from Osprey anyways. So I don't see them deviating from that. Although it's felt in the past, like when reports like that have come out, that they've audibled. So, yeah, they could audible too. Shingo. I just, I don't see it. I, I think they're going with Okada. He's there tested, they're tried and true, and they're going to go with him and, and, you know, move forward.
2: Yeah. Um, and also not a bad call, especially from a business perspective, and there's still, and also obviously Okada's still a phenomenal wrestler, one of the best in the world, and there's some great main events you could do uh, with him as the world champ. Uh, so we had some questions on this matchup. Uh, first from already using Viking Pain. Says, if Sh- if Shingo eats a loss to Okada for the world title, will that officially make him the next Hiroki Goto?
3: No, but it's, it's not a good optic. It's not a good look. And down the line, could that be the foundation for something of that nature? Yeah. Right,
2: because currently... Cause, Goto and Suzuki are tied, right, for the most. Failing or is Goto? Go
3: ahead. Go- Goto's the most, and then Suzuki's next. And it, here's the thing. There have been people that have failed as much or more, but they all won the title. You know, this is more of a, a stat for people that have challenged multiple times in failing and never won that belt. Right.
2: So yeah, I agree. I agree. If you're there, you know, losing again, a third big main event's not not the best thing for Shingo. And if if he doesn't eventually win, yeah, then he then he falls into that Hiroki Goto Minoru Suzuki category of getting several title
3: shots but just never being able to win the big one. Yeah, but they've had a lot more. I mean, we're talking seven or eight, as opposed to he would be at his second title challenge and fail. That's pretty standard for most guys that are, you know, eventual championship winners. It's very rare that anybody wins it on their first shot. You know, I know there have been a few a few occasions where that's taken place, but it's really rare.
2: Yeah. Uh, Next uh, set of questions here from Steven Waiteka. If Shingo loses and this goes to three, would he be dead? You can't get heat to make him title worthy.
3: Um, I don't think he's dead, but, I mean, I, bro, it's three big losses back to back to back. Maybe they feel very confident about his connection with the crowd and the fan base and the the performances that he puts in that he's sort of, like, fail-proof in this moment. And maybe they think it won't hurt him too bad. Um, And there could be some truth to that. I'm not even denying that that's the case. I just kind of feel like, man, I don't know, you know?
2: Yeah, it just... It's just a tricky thing. Yeah, I just feel like it, it. Yeah, it's not the best, not the best situation here for Shingo. Because uh, then, where do you go from afterwards? You kind of, kind of have to rebuild him, and recoup him a little bit after this if he's going to lose. Kind of have to drop the.
3: I, I don't even know who he would go against next, but. Uh... Okay, I've got the list here. Most failed IWGP challenges. Um, Chono had thirteen total nagata seven, Tenzon, seven nakamura ten tanahashi seven minoru suzuki seven and goto at eight so you know the first five guys i listed had a lot of failed challenges look at that tanahashi seven losses mm. nakamura ten but you know these are guys that won the title you know i think chono was the mo yeah, 13 before he ever won it. And he only held it for like a month and then had to drop it. He never won it again. But for active wrestlers that have, you know, who are in those kind of numbers who've never won it, Goto and Suzuki are the top two. Mm.
2: Yeah, but like you mentioned, it's, it's, it's only uh, number two challenge here for Shingo. And so there's still plenty of time for him to eventually win the title so we'll see what they do with him
3: i am really looking forward to the match regardless though and um you know uh, i think it'll be interesting to see what this audience this atmosphere is like considering everything that's been going on in new japan this is the first really big show we've had in a little while here um and the whole trajectory and the environment the feeling of the company has changed quite a bit just in a month so
2: yeah, Osaka has traditionally been one of the better clap clap, clap crowds during the pandemic. And I know, um, you know, Reddit user, PCN91, I think he's going to be going to at least one of the Roti shows. I'm not sure if he's going to Dominion also. So we might kind of get some, you know, feels of what's going on in Osaka. But we'll see if, yeah, with the state of emergency. I don't even know what the capacity for Osaka Hall will be for uh, Dominion. So it'll be interesting to see, yeah, kind of what, crowd size and the energy is for that show. Uh, so Steven also asks, which do you think would be better to get heat and push for next if Okada wins? Ibushi, Kenta, Cobb, or bring Mox back in?
3: Um, I don't know. I feel like right now I would go with Jeff Cobb because – He's looking like an animal. He's part of the group where the former champion, you know, had to vacate the title. He's had some big wins. And if he beats Ibushi, that kind of puts him firmly in the number one spot. Plus, like, you know, I, I like Kenta and I like Mox, but, um, you know, it's it's right there in the minds of the fans. If he's in the semi-main event and picks up that big win, It it sort of qualifies him. I think that's very easy, simple, basic booking. And I feel like the match would be really exciting.
2: Yeah, and it's, a, it's a fresh world title matchup. You know, Jeff Cobb's first, right. first time challenging for, uh, you know, the, the big belt in New Japan. So I think it's a, it'll be a fresh program, interesting matchup there. So, yeah, I would personally agree, go with Cobb. But obviously, there, the, the, the Okada-Mox match will have to happen at some point. Um, I mean, we've seen him against Kenta. And obviously, we know him and Ibushi have great chemistry as well in, in big main events. But, yeah, I would go with copy or something fresh, something new. Then the uh, last question here of Don Homie 101. So, is Shingo wrestling Okada for the vacant IWGP World Heavyweight Championship at this year's Dominion event. Do you guys think it's finally time to pull the trigger on Shingo as IWGP World Heavyweight Champion? In my honest opinion, I think Shingo should walk out of Dominion as the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. I think the company needs to hit the reset button, and Shingo is that reset button. Also, Okada's back is fucked up, and I think the company should be protecting Okada.
3: Just my opinion. I think, um, well, A, I don't know how bad hit Okada's back even really is. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we've we talked about it at great lengths on this show about times where individuals, you know, like Tanahashi specifically is one, one of them. Naito's another guy where they, they work their injuries. The injuries are real, but, you know, for the purpose of, you know, maybe sympathy or storytelling or, you know, there's a lot of benefit, beneficial reasons why they might embellish the, uh, you know, the, what, what's it called? Uh, the,
2: the kind
3: of like make the injury worse than it is. Yeah. The injury. I kept thinking of the word surgery. (laughs) I don't know why. Yeah. Injuries that they have. And, um, you know, I mean, what, what did they say about, what was the rumor that he had three crushed vertebrae? Yeah, there's like slip disc in his back. And yeah, yeah, slip discs. I mean, that's like really, 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 really fucking serious if that's what it is. But um, I mean, I don't know. From what I think we've been told, like th- that's sort of an embellishment. Not to say he's not banked up, but like, you know, that that man probably wouldn't be walking if he had slip discs. So well, uh, um, apparently, yeah,
2: it, it's kind of like the he's following the Tanahashi playbook, you know. Exactly. You 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 have a, you know, quote-unquote crazy injury, and then you, you take some time off, you come back, and then that body part is a target for your match. And now, I'm sure, you know, Shingo will attack the back in this match and do a lot of, you know, targeting of, of the back.
3: Yeah, uh, no doubt, no doubt. Now, um, as far as, like, Shingo, I really don't want Shingo to win here, and The reason being, it's not that I don't want Shingo to win the title, and it's not that I don't feel like the company doesn't need a reset. But when you say a reset, in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, they do need a reset. They need a reset to the the champion that's made them the most money and been the most stable and lucrative provider in the last decade, which is Kazushiko Kata. I don't think times like this are times where you kind of gamble with a, a guy in Shingo's position who, while popular, is older and not a proven draw the way that Okada is. Okada is a proven commodity. You know, he is the ace of the company for a reason. I feel like Shingo deserves a potential title run and elevation, and I don't think that this would show be the showcase where you do something like that, you know? I, I know traditionally Dominion seems like a big show, but given the nature of the clap crowds and everything like that, I just don't feel like it would actually elevate him. We saw how, and I know it's not a one-for-one one comparison, but we we see where Evil is right now when they try to elevate him in the middle of a pandemic like that on a, you know, um, what was it? It was Dominion, right? Yeah, he beat Okada. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was just a year ago, and it didn't really work out that well. I know it's a different animal, a different situation, but like... I'm just feeling like if you're going to go that way with him, you need to do it for a full crowd. You need to do it when it matters, when it's been built up, when the heat's right, when the feeling's right. And it, this doesn't feel right to me at all. It feels like it's just thrown together. And if he were to just win it, it would be like, what's New Japan doing? Oh, okay, Shingo's champion. All right. Like, you know, which is kind of a little bit what it felt like when Will won. It didn't feel like Will winning was as big of a deal as it should have been, you know. I feel like they tried that already, and it went south. So I think they just need to go with Okada for the time being.
2: Yeah, and you made an interesting point there that with Okada being the reset, because you know they they have been trying some different stuff. You mentioned it, they, they put the belt on Evil, they put the belt on Ibushi. they put the belt on Osprey. <laughs> you know, three guys that have never been champion before, and so yeah, now now it's time, like you mentioned, time to go back to old faithful. I mean the, the books Bro, are-
3: if, if Okada was smart, he could cut such an incredible promo about that. <laughs> <laughs> you guys try to go with the rest, but they always come back right. to the Rainmaker. Yep.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you know he, he, he is the Rainmaker, and the books are, are looking bad right now. They, they need him to, to help with, with you know bring some cash in and help you know draw as much as they can in, in these buildings.
3: I heard Naito sold the most shirts of anyone in the company. I heard he got the biggest pops. Where, where is he now? How about
2: it? How about it now?
3: Oh, <laughs> Bushi, I heard you was a god, <laughs> <laughs> but I saw you doing a job.
2: <laughs> oh man, he's
3: like, you know, Evil can't do it for you. Will Osprey can't do it for you. There's only one that's. Okada, the rainmaker.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then too, also too, I think with Okada as champion, also if Osprey comes back, that story is right there. Osprey, you know, the champion who never really lost a title, basing off the, the guy game. he
3: turned on.
2: Yeah, guy he turned on, the guy who has a title. The match that was supposed to happen, at Russell Grand Slam, like perfect story. The,
3: there. To, the Tokyo Dome rematch. There's a lot there if they end up going that way. And also Okada's someone that you can draw well with and have compelling matches throughout the year leading back into the Tokyo dome, which I, as I've said on this show, guys, I, I've always thought that the plan for this year was for Naito to win the G1 and for us to go back into the Tokyo dome with an Okada Naito rematch. And I'm pretty sure that's where we're heading.
2: Yeah, and that, that probably makes the most sense, especially with them. We have no idea how long the state of emergency and how things are going to look with the pandemic, but they're probably not going to be able to have a full capacity for the Dome again. And so, obviously, Okada Naito is not a fresh main event, so you don't have to worry about you know blowing a fresh new main event, and you know it's going to draw, and that dynamic will be – well, night will be the challenger again, but still, new, the IWG world, world titles on the line – they're still popular. They could still draw. I think it would be perfect for, you know, a limited capacity Tokyo Dome.
3: Well, let's move on to uh, – that's going to do it for our review. Let's move on to the New Japan Pro Wrestling of America portion of the show with New NJPW Strong, number 42, Collision 2021, night four. This was May 28th. We started the show off with uh, Clark Connors defeating AJZ, nine minutes, 38 seconds. Yeah. Uh, I thought this is pretty good.
2: Yeah, I thought AGZ looked better here than he did in in, in the Rocky match. I thought he was uh, a little bit more aggressive here. Uh, Clark looked great as well. Um, yeah, I'm really looking, liking the development of Clark here, going kind of going forward. Not a big fan of kind of the finish he had here, kind of a, like
3: a spin-out kind of powerbomb thing. Um uh, yeah, they're 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 workshopping it. We'll figure it out yeah. um, Next match of the night El Fantasmo defeated Wheeler Utah 14 minutes six seconds This is uh, what the second time we've seen Wheeler Utah. Yes So kind of a showcase here against El Fantasmo. I thought uh, this is pretty good. I thought Wheeler Utah looked good Fantasmo, you know being the dick and heel that he normally is picks up the win 14 minutes He's kind of Having sort of a standout year, making the best he can of a terrible situation, you know, um, great showings in uh, New Japan and then over here in Strong and then the shots he did over in Impact kind of kind of all over the place.
2: Yeah, and absolutely hilarious, you know, trying to get the crowds, the the empty crowd to clap and just doing (laughs) the stuff to get. He is being so obnoxious and such a douchebag it helps his character so much. And yeah, I thought we Utah looked really good here. I think Utah's the guy they should try and kind of get locked up for strong, great technical wrestler, he can do some high-flying, and I think would be a guy that, once boards open up, would be a great addition to a, a Super Juniors as well.
3: Um, and then the, the main event, the match that I think everyone wants to hear about, uh, the New Japan Strong Openweight title match, uh, as Filthy Tom Lawler along with Team Filthy, Danny Limelight and Jared Kratos, Defeated Chris Dickinson to retain the NJPW Strong Openweight Title. 21 minutes 16 seconds—the longest match in Strong history.
2: Yeah, I thought this main event was awesome. Like you mentioned, yeah, longest match in Strong history. I think it's probably the best match in Strong history. Um, you know, they've been normally keeping their main events or just matches in general—not not, not too pretty short. You know, also we haven't had anything crazy long, but. I think with the style that Lawler and Dickinson wrestle, it it works in empty arena and it works this match length. It's definitely more of a fight feel. We saw a lot of grappling, a lot of strikes, a lot of submission, um, kind of blood sport-esque kind of of matchup here, um, and really, really enjoyed it. A lot of great striking exchanges, a lot of great submission exchanges here.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I, I thought this was really fantastic. I thought these guys worked really well together. Uh, they've wrestled, I believe, and Beyond in the past. That match is very good, but this had a different feeling um, to it. You know, there was a lot of personal emotion mixed in just because the betrayal, you know, them kind of excommunicating um, Chris Dickinson from the group. Uh, great mix of pure wrestling and then pure striking. Um Although Chris Dickinson lost, he really looked like a beast, uh, you know, kind of in defeat. And, you know, Tom Lawler kind of adds another notch to his resume. Um, And, yeah, I mean, the the early parts of the match, um, they were a little bit slower, but they were so technically great Mm -hmm. that I kind of forgave that. But once they started opening up and and throwing the live rounds, man, they were – Really, 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 really snug, hard hitting. The only, um, the only thing I would maybe criticize a little bit was somewhat the lack of selling. Mm. There, but this—I don't think this was that kind of match. You know, I think the idea was to sort of simulate, like you mentioned, a fight, and you know, it had almost like an MMA-esque feel to it. So while there wasn't over-the-top, outlandish selling it was almost like an accumulation of damage that sort of played into the finish here.
2: Yeah. And several, uh, great near submissions with the rear naked choke. Filthy just kept trying and trying and trying to get that, that, that rear naked choke on. Either Dickinson would reverse or he'd get to the ropes. He would pull kind of the Bret Hart pin where you kind of roll back and get the pinfall. Um, so lots of great counters, you know, Dickinson obviously had the, the the rear naked scouted and was trying different ways to get out of that. Um, being a, a nasty death value driver At one point in the match was good uh, Also there was, there was a small distraction Here from um, Limelight and Kratos uh, But he was able to Kind of knock those guys off uh, Brody King came out and uh, fought Kratos to the back and he took out uh, and Limelight To kinda continue the match there
3: Yeah and you know My criticism about the um, Selling wasn't 100% Accurate there was some leg selling From Chris where they Uh we're filthy sort of focused in on that. That also was a big component of the story here, but yeah, bath, back and forth action. Very, very stiff. Um, super exciting. The last few minutes are, I thought they were up there with just about any other match. in New Japan this year, as far as drama and excitement, um, in front of a crowd, this match would have been even better. I, I don't know that I loved this better than, um, Narita and Chris Dickinson. But it's right up there. I mean, it's up there with that match. It's up there with Mox and Kenta. Um, New Japan Strong is really delivering this year. It's kind of crazy.
2: Yeah, they're on fire right now. All the, all they need now is a crowd, which might happen pretty soon. We're seeing crowds come back to shows here in the U.S., so maybe they can get some fans into that studio, which would be pretty cool. How, how
3: did you feel at the end? I mean, I think we were both kind of expecting Filthy to win. I mean, did they ever get you to kind of— Start believing in um, Dirty Daddy here, or you know, did you kind of just expect Filthy to pick up the win the whole way?
2: I uh, pretty much kind of expected Filthy to pick to pick up the win, but I mean, I, I was, I was kind of bottomed with just how many times he kept reversing the rare naked choke, and this, right. Much, and Filthy was just not getting it in. So at first I was like, oh, maybe Filthy would like debut a new finish, or maybe Dickinson is going to pull an upset here and just get the win. But, yeah, the clothing stretch was great, like you mentioned, busting out a lot of big moves. Um, Like Lawler busted out the Tenzon Tombstone driver. He's in a lot of big Exploders. Um, A lot of of great suplexes. Uh, He did a a sleeper suplex uh, at one point towards the end, which was awesome, which uh, eventually set up for him to um, get the rare naked choke and to put Dirty Daddy away. Um, And then in the post-match, we had Carl Fredericks um, confronting... Lawler in the backstage promo uh, talk about how he eliminated him in the, the eight-man elimination match and how he's, he's gunning Lawler. So like we like we talked about uh, last week, it looks like we are setting up for uh, Tom Lawler against uh, Carl Fredericks for the next strong title match, whenever that might be.
3: Yeah, that's exciting. Um, that's like the first really big authentic opportunity for one of these LA Dojo, you know, um, graduates. So. You know, that that will be a big showcase show, uh, you know, match. I, I don't know that we've really seen the best that um, Carl has to offer just yet. I mean, we've seen flashes of it. Yeah, but, um,
2: I, I feel like the, the injury really kind of cut off his momentum. I feel like he was really kind of getting into his groove and, you know, kind of, you know, getting some good matches. in And then the injury kind of derailed him and he was kind of off TV for a while. So, yeah, I think he's kind of picking back some momentum here
3: yeah but this will be an opportunity to kind of um, display what what's really there and I love that they for these last two title matches they've really given it they've given it a huge stage and big fight feel and the idea that that's kind of gonna be what that what this title represents for the show going forward is something I could definitely get behind so I'm excited for that you know quite a bit
2: yeah, they're, they're, they're doing uh, VTRs, you know, hype packages, um, some interviews some promos, and then, yeah, big fight feel, big presentation, making the title very important. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving what they're doing here.
3: Awesome. So, uh, next week, the road to ignition 2021 starts. TJP will be wrestling Kevin Knight in the opener. Second match of the night, Adrian Quest against Barrett Brown. This match is sort of a. Uh, you know, a play off the story that Barrett Brown has been unable to get the W in his time with New Japan Strong and Adrian Quest's former partner. He turned on him, so it's sort of a grudge match there. Yep, kind of crossroads match for Barrett Brown. And then the main event is uh, very exciting, as we will be seeing um, the leader of the Bread Club, uh, the strongest lariat Satoshi Kojima, teaming up with Carl Fredericks to take on Team Filthy Jr. Kratos and Danny Limelight, which. um, you know, Kojima has been making the rounds, doing some impact shots. Now he's here on Strong. That's uh, something I'm really looking forward to. I know you are.
2: Yeah, very excited. My man, Satoshi Kojima, showing up here in Strong. Um going to be cool, man. Yeah, I'll see these guys coming to the U.S. along with working Impact or AEW. They're, they're getting on Strong. So it's very cool to get somebody like, you know, we had Nagata now Kojima here. And I'll see kind of teaming up with Fredericks here. In the battle with Team Filthy I'm hoping this, this leads to maybe Kojima Versus J.R. Kratos in a, in a singles match during the Ignition Tour I think that would be pretty cool
3: Yeah absolutely
2: And so uh, a few questions here Related to Strong uh, First here from Marcus Faye Are there any wrestlers on NJBB Strong That you would like to see be signed full time?
3: Hmm well, I mean, we again, we don't know who is and who is not signed, you know, to a deal. But I mean, the, the ones that just like, you know, stick out to me, and I feel like we get this question a lot, but Tom Lawler, Chris Dickinson, um, obviously, Leo Rush, if he, he may already be um, signed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't heard or seen from him in a bit But if he is still active And involved, ACH Yeah, yeah Those are like the big four for me right out the gate
2: Yeah, I mean those, those are the top workers The top guys, yeah, those are definitely the four you want Locked down to a contract If possible How, how do you feel about Mysterioso? You think you think he's
3: I, I like Mysterioso A lot Um, And I I see a lot of promise in him, but um, I don't know if that's someone that they're, like, planning to keep around long-term or not.
2: Right, because even pre-pandemic, I mean, he's been one of the first, like, New Japan America guys, and he has not been in Japan yet, so. Yeah,
3: I'm I'm looking at the personnel list here. I mean, um, they've got a good list of guys, but... For those that I'm like, man, we need to have them. I think Jared Kratos could be a, a good signing. Um, Mysterioso could too. But I'm not like the highest on them. Like they need to be signed or anything like that. Um, oh. Yeah, I mean the four I listed are probably my, my main four. Um, depending what his contract status is with ROH, I would throw Brody King in there.
2: Mm, yeah, that's a good one. Uh next question here from Wiz Factor. Is it possible that NJPW Strong will have shouting crowds before the Japanese shows do? If so, I'd like to see both of you take the over under bets on how many months it will take before the Japanese shows catch up to the American shows.
3: Um I'm a little confused by that question. What
2: so he's saying, you know, how long do you do we think that will New Japan Strong have like crowds that can actually... Oh, both. before Japan? Yeah, yeah, I think
3: they definitely could.
2: Yeah, I mean, like we say, we're, we're seeing things open up. You know, AEW, they're, they they're having full crowds now in certain cities. is going back on the road. Ring of Honor's getting ready to have fans for Best in the World. MLW, they're going to um, the ECW Arena. They're having fans. So we're seeing pretty much every promotion um, right now in North America are gearing up and getting ready to have fans. So... Uh, even NWA, they're getting ready to have fans for their their pay per view that's coming up. So I think that we will probably see fans maybe pretty soon for New Japan Strong um, in, in that little studio that they're working in. Get some fans in there; that'd be cool. And I mean, obviously, where people are getting vaccinated here, there's not a lot of restrictions as far as like we never had restrictions on like fans not being able to shout or whatever, make chants. So
3: oh, I'm just thinking here: um, when is the Olympics?
2: Uh, I don't even know when they're isn't it like July or August. We're three.
3: We're, we're like three months out from it. It's gonna go from July to August. I'm gonna say, and this is a really, <laughs> in my opinion, and I'm I'm not an expert, but just based off the information we have, and I think I'm being pretty generous here. The earliest I could imagine them possibly having clap crowds. The earliest, and this would, if they did this, it would be a miracle. Maybe January. Mm. Maybe six months from now. But realistically, I'll just tell you these lockdowns don't work because you can't, they're not able to fully, 100% completely lock down the population and lock down all incoming and outgoing individuals. And for that reason, COVID is a highly contagious disease. It's going to continue to spread no matter what kind of you know um, measures they put in place. And the reason they're putting these measures in place is Olympics related. It's not going to stop it. It's just not. It might limit the spread, but it is coming at a price i mean there are a lot of you know things that we saw this past year with like work situations job situations schooling mental health you know physical health you know monetary well-being all the all these different things are also important considerations the reality is like in countries where they are able to shut everything down like new zealand australia they, they murked this thing. But like Japan can't do that at this point. It's been over a year. The monkey's out of the bag. Um, what is going to help and what is going to work is the thing that's been proven to work in other countries, and that's a vaccine. And they have, in some cases, limited access to it, and then in other cases, culturally, people don't take vaccines there, from what I understand. So right now I think they're at like 6% vaccinated. Which is not great, considering the Olympics is three months out. Um, and you know, you, you got to imagine. I know they're going to have a lot of safety protocols in place, but you got to imagine what how that might also contribute to a continued spread. Hypothetically, it may or may not, you know, depending. But um, with no indication that anything of note is going to happen between now and January to actually stop the spread and to stop you know the fear and you know the death and everything like that uh I mean there's no reason to think that we're getting clap crowds anytime in the near future and I know that's a I
2: mean chanting crowds
3: yeah chanting crowds and bro the way we're going like we're getting diminished crowds more and more as time goes on so right I mean
2: I feel like we're going backwards
3: we we are going backwards (laughs) and it's not all about us and our enjoyment of the product I mean that's the least of anything but you know, since that's what we're discussing, you know, that is what it is. Um, I could see it being pushed out even further than six months. I could see it being pushed out to eight months, ten months, a year before we're like before they're where they need to be. Which is unfortunate because the country actually handled corona relatively speaking very well early on. But I mean, at this point, the only answer for her to obtain herd immunity is a vaccination they need to get vaccinated <laughs> and right. that's that is just the reality of the situation for yeah. them and their country
2: well the tokyo dome being used as, as a vaccination center in august I, i'm hoping that kind of opens the door there for a lot of people to get vaccinated and get some maybe some mass vaccinations there
3: we'll but, see yeah we'll see i hope so um Next question, Dom Homie 101 asked us, what would be an ideal crossover match between New Japan Strong and New Japan? I think Kotobushi versus Chris Dickinson would be an interesting match.
2: Yeah, I mean, that would be a great matchup. Um, when it comes to the top of my head, I would love to see uh, Chris Dickinson against um, Tomoyo Ishii. Yeah,
3: that's a that's a great call. Um hmm. I don't even know, man. Um, I think it's kind of an... I wish I would have prepared something for this match. Let me see here. You know, one other name that... He's also with ROH, but I really like Bateman Mm. a lot. Yeah. That's another one. Um, Ideal match. I don't know. Um, Leo Rush versus... Romo <laughs> Takashi. Yeah, th- that would yeah. be awesome. I think that's a match a lot of people want to see.
2: Yeah. So, uh, moving on to last few news updates here before we get to questions and recommended match of the week. Uh so just quick update on Will Osprey. Also, we haven't really heard anything official on kind of what's going on with him. He has been tweeting a lot though. Um he did had a tweet uh, about 6 days ago saying that he um has Dr. Pablo to the house uh, After further digging he's now being referred to Another MRI for on his lower back As well as of affairs That he might have the same issue in his neck uh, His things ain't looking good But I'm determined to come back this year Thanks for all support um, So kind of seeming like he might have a back issue as well And then he's also just kind of been like retweeting And tweeting a lot of stuff about New Japan um, So it doesn't really seem like maybe he's upset With the company that he's leaving um, So
3: well, I mean, the one thing that, and again, this is just kind of my speculating, but you know, we talked about how like there might have been an acrimonious issue when he left, but that didn't mean that you know that he was done with the company, and the company was done with him necessarily. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think there's a lot of validity to the story just based on the amount of sources that have kind of corroborated you know, some of those known facts and details. Um, But it doesn't mean like the partnership or the business side of things is kind of done. We talked last week about how, you know, the company kind of went out of their way to explain, kind of take the heat off of him a bit and be like, he had to vacate due to, you know, injuries. You know, and that's, you know, potentially a way to kind of like explain away the situation, get ahead of the story before any kind of story came out. And then on his end, kind of keeping things smooth, just um, posting a lot about New Japan, that's going to kind of, without addressing the story directly, it kind of lets you, the public know, like, hey, this is the public face we're putting on it. This is where we stand, you know, Um, which is a good thing if that's the case. Um, One thing I think is interesting, though, it's kind of funny. You know, Will posted stories and, you know, as... Posted online about his, uh, you know, physical situation. One thing I will say oh, this is one thing I was not aware of, and I think we should maybe possibly retract a little bit. Um, just a couple days prior to his va- uh, vacating the title, he was on the two man power trip podcast and had said publicly that he was still in a relationship with B Priestley. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was something that I had heard. Otherwise, although you know, things change, so maybe maybe you know the reports or the speculation that's out there could still be valid. But according to his public statement from just a few days prior to all this stuff breaking a couple weeks ago, they were still very much in a relationship. You know, um, so I think for the time, being, you can you can kind of take that off the table. But um, you know, he posted this stuff about his injuries and automatically you hear so many people being like, oh, see, that that disproves everything that everyone's been saying. You know, can't believe the fear mongers, you know, the liars, blah, blah. And I'm like, uh, that doesn't disprove anything. In fact, it corroborates exactly what the reports were, that he is injured and he is banged up and he went home to take care of those injuries. I don't think anyone was ever denying or in doubt of that on either side of the story. Right. You know? And it's kind of funny how people will take a narrative like that and look for, like, a false proof. You know what I mean? I also saw um, someone that I respect. I won't name any names. But I saw someone, like, put a post something about, like, uh, they're like, Will will puts all fears to rest or something like that concerning, like, the reports. And they shared, like, tidbits of an interview where he was like, I'm going to be with New Japan for the next five years. I plan on you know, I've I've said this many times in the past. I want to end my career here, but then like I went and looked, and like the interview was from like prior to to him going home, and I'm like it's very misleading to like post stuff like that to make it seem as though he was addressing the situation when he was clearly not addressing the situation because the situation hadn't even occurred yet.
2: Right. Yeah. I saw and, I saw the same post and thought about that too. I was like, yeah, like before before he left, it's like yeah, he's not. A, answering anything so there's still a bunch of questions on on what happened and what's going on Uh, but
3: it's similar to what happened with um this wwe new japan story is like you know people that um people look for proofs in places that there aren't none so like for instance a lot of people that love new japan that don't want them to work with wwe are they they see the stuff with tony Khan where he's like we're still working together like see the whole story was bullshit and it's like no that doesn't mean the story is bullshit. Um, they could very well still be working with AW for the time being, and also negotiating a deal with New Japan or, or with WWE. Right. Like that—that's not a proof of anything, you know. And I think it's the same thing here. Is like the, the 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 only thing that it might prove. There were some of those that were saying that his injuries might not. There was the belief that uh, amongst some wrestlers that his injuries might not be – that they might be embellished. you know. And you know what? I think he's injured. I think he's hurt. I think that's the reason he went home. I believe that 100 percent. But if you were a tinfoil hat conspiracist, you might like literally be like, well, he sent us a picture of a spine, a spine. Whose spine was it? You know what I mean? And there are people who think that way. I'm not saying that I'm one of them. And I'm not saying I don't believe the thing he's saying, but there are those people who think he's still working, um, which in the grand scheme of things, is that possible? Oh, yeah. sure. Yeah. It absolutely is.
2: <laughs> yeah, especially. I don't it,
3: think it's likely.
2: Yeah, especially, if, you, know, you know, the situation in New Japan will kind of water under the bridge and he's going to come back and they kind of want to continue the story. And yeah, he, he can work and send updates about doctors and shoot out x-rays and stuff like that. But. I don't know. I I do think he he is hurt and he does need a rehab. And so, and I think he'll be with New Japan at least for the remainder of this year.
3: We will see. We'll see what happens.
2: Uh, So, then in our uh, Forbidden Door update, we had Satoshi Kojima making his Impact debut. Last week, and he called out uh, former rival Joe Doring. So it'll be Satoshi Kojima versus Joe Doring at Against All Odds, uh, the next Impact Plus special. And we had a question here from Hawaiian Punch BV. He says, With Impact walking the King's Road, Muto era, and putting former Triple Crown champion Satoshi Kojima against former Triple Crown champion Joe Doring in a special singles match, what other matches would you like to see Kojima in? When it's safer in Japan and Impact can and send talent over, would you like to see Joe Doran competing in New Japan? Maybe him and someone from Violent by Design can bring some new blood in the World Tag League. Also, have you seen Kojima's review of Panda Express, and what do you think he meant by a lot of wank? <laughs>
3: um, I was not aware. You know, I'm not as big on All Japan, especially from that Mudo um, time frame. But yeah, I, I didn't know that they had a, a Triple Crown title match in 2010. Um, that's very interesting. I might want to track that down. I kind of thought Joe Doring was after Kojima's time in All Japan, to be honest. So I wasn't even fully aware he was there. You know, it looks like Joe, Dur- Joe Doring was like working there going back to 07. That's kind of crazy. Maybe even earlier. Who knows? That's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but,
2: yeah, I mean, this should be a pretty hard-hitting match, good matchup here for Kojima. Um, yeah, kind of.
3: And any other matches you want to see him in, uh, in Impact that you could think of?
2: Uh, maybe a, a match with Moose might be pretty interesting. Um I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that really stands out. Then I'm like yeah. Ken,
3: Ken, Kenny Omega. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think Kenny needs to hold the strongest arm. Give my man Kojima oh. that, that impact. Royal Tyler Kojima run the territory for a little bit. So that's what I think.
3: I'd be okay with Black Taurus wrestling Kojima.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude, I all the funny thing is I I watched Impact last week because I was on uh, 8-Bit Suplex on the network here. Check that out. And I, I watched the Kojima, you know, with the debut and calling out Doring. Yeah, and Black Taurus was on that episode. I always forget that he's on there because I hate the way they use him. They got him stuck in the decay with Crazy Steve. It's like, why aren't you pushing yeah. this man? Like, Black Taurus yeah, should be I, the expedition
3: champion. He's not a... He's not a major part of the show or anything like that. Um, I'm kind of like just looking over the roster. and I'm like, they got some good people, but there's not like anyone that I'm like, there, there really are no matches where I'm like, oh man, I would love to see Rhino against Kojima, you know? Like, right. Although that does kind of sound cool, but there's not like, much there that I'm like excited about. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Josh Alexander. I like Josh mm. Alexander a lot. Maybe yeah. I'd be into that.
2: Yeah, that, that would be cool. Yeah, I think there might be some more potential matchups for him in AEW.
3: Yeah, he also mentioned Joe during coming to New Japan. I I doubt that that would happen just given his previous affiliation with uh, All Japan. Uh, Plus, I've heard that he, in recent years, has just not been the same guy that he was a couple, even just like three or four years ago. So I don't even know if I'd really want to see him in New Japan at this point.
2: Yeah, honestly, I haven't, I'm not familiar with his work. In in his prime, and I have not seen any of his new just just think,
3: just think. uh, He he's honestly he's just a power move, uh, like an updated Stan Hansen with power moves. Literally, gotcha. Very similar. I mean, very, very, very similar. He's all like Joe Doring was awesome. There's a Junakiama match from January like third, twenty fifteen. That maybe it's from January first. I don't know. It it murders like it's an incredible match. If you've never seen it.
2: Yeah, I'll check that out. I also want to check out the, uh, the, the match he had with Kojima as well, leading into this uh, matchup against, against all odds.
3: Also, um, based on Kojima's review of Panda Express, I just have to assume there's a lot of masturbation in Panda <laughs> Express.
2: Yeah. so for that's,
3: that's what I assume, right?
2: For people who didn't uh, see it, so it was on Instagram. He says, when I'm staying in Los Angeles, I have a very favorite meal. It's a Chinese dish called Panda Express. In a lot of wank, I'm, ch- I'm going to choose what I like and put it in. This is really super delicious, (laughs) and I ate it almost every day. If you eat too much, you'll get fat. With the then he put the little water drop emojis.
3: Yeah, what the fuck?
2: Sound like I don't know. Sounds like he's getting more than Panda Express when he's in LA.
3: Yeah, (laughs) I don't even. I I don't even want to begin to speculate because I have no idea what that means. So yeah.
2: Clearly probably just a mistranslation. Of he's, he's probably trying to use a Google Translate or something and didn't copy over correctly. Uh,
3: in other news, um, New Japan Strong Show on May 7th, where John Moxley and Chris Dickinson defeated Nagata and Narita, the original idea is reportedly to reform Moxley and Shota Shooter Umino as a tag team. But Umino was injured and Moxley picked Dickinson to be the replacement. So we kind of missed out on that one.
2: Yeah, um, that that would have been great. I mean, yeah, I think that would have definitely... Fans would have really loved yeah, seeing Mox and Shooter together.
3: I can't wait for Moxley to, like, win the title and then Shoto Amino to, like, come out of the crowd and, like, fucking challenge him and beat his ass. <laughs> uh, this week's free match of the week, Will Ospreay versus Kazushiko Gokata from the 46th anniversary event. Now it's time for some questions. Yeah.
2: Uh, so first, uh, Wheeljack83 says, Is it time for NJPW to go on a temporary hiatus? Shut your mouth
3: <laughs> <laughs> No, why would they go on a hiatus? That would be bad for business
2: <laughs> we, we just had a couple week hiatus
3: <laughs> Yeah, I feel like we've been on a hiatus for a couple months now Like hell no
2: yeah. Next question.
3: <laughs> Next Zach. question
2: from Zach at Tiffin Buck. When do we see Young Boy in the Fiend on a Road to Dominion show?
3: Never. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Dom Homie One Hundred One has a series of questions that are going to close us out. He said, "With uh, render Rita working some AW dates." What would be some ideal opponents for Narita? I think Narita against Jungle Boy would be an ideal matchup in my opinion. A lot of matchup questions today. Uh yeah, I think that one would be good. I I don't know.
2: Yeah, I think people because Narita is smaller, they they might want to tend to think to put him up against juniors, but he's a very good striker and, you know, grappling guy. So I I would I would think I would see him against more guys that can like strike with him. Like I think a singles match with him and Mox could be good um him and jd drake i think that's more could be kind of a good those guys can kind of slug at it at each other
3: yeah that one sounds cool um cody <laughs> see him he beat cody's ass
2: put him in that and read a special <laughs> tap him mount
3: um speak uh him and eddie kingston would probably be really good yeah yeah um so that's one i would probably like to see um I don't know. I'll throw one other one out there just so we can move on. Um, how about Miro? Again, yeah,
2: another kind of heavy hitter striker guy that Narita can try and keep up with there. Yeah, that would be fun.
3: Throw the last one out there for you. Uh, Ray Phoenix, because why the fuck not?
2: Why not, yeah. <laughs> Ray <laughs> Phoenix makes everything great, so that would be awesome.
3: Non-NJPW question. What are your guys' thoughts on the rumor of Cardi B hosting SummerSlam? I think Soldier Boy should be the host of this year's SummerSlam since he was the first rapper to body slam Andre the Giant LOL. I don't I don't understand your question and I I will not respond to it. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I'm totally missing the joke here about Soldier Boy and body slamming Andre and honestly, I had no idea Car- Cardi B was hosting SummerSlam until I read this question. Uh, That's the rumor. Yeah, so I I have no you know, good oh, for I'll them. tell you
3: what. I'm not watching SummerSlam this year. It's happening the same night as Errol Spence Jr. against Manny Pacquiao. Mm.
0: Um,
3: Errol Spence Jr. versus Manny Pacquiao, the big dog versus you know the leader of the C Nation. I don't. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm probably gonna watch the boxing fight. I
2: don't know, man. Battle for you know WWE supremacy between the the big dog and Mr. Never Give Up.
3: Acknowledge me, John. <laughs> i saw a graphic that was like if john cena loses he has to acknowledge and then it had roman reigns name crossed out and it said taiwan yeah i saw (laughs) (laughs) last question any thoughts on the recent devin haney versus jorge linares fight i was truly impressed about the performance by devin haney devin did his thing his jab his body work was on point Devin outboxed Linares for the first 10 rounds, but the boxing media would only talk about how Haney got rocked by a punch at the end of the 10th round, and they gave him shit for it. I didn't see the media had the same energy when Ryan Garcia got dropped by Luke Campbell or when Loma got dropped by Linares. Uh, But that's a different story for a different day. Also, Ryan Garcia Garcia needs to stop talking shit, worry about his mental issues, quote-unquote, He could have fought Devin, but he decided to go play the game of Duck, Duck, Goose without the Goose. Um, So, yeah, I mean – well, I'll tell you this much. Devin Haney is a great fighter, but he's boring, bro. That's why people don't like him. This is – listen, I'll I'll tell you. I believe I'm reading between the lines here when I say this. I think what you're alluding to is the idea that Devin Haney is getting shit on by the boxing media because he's black. And Ryan Garcia and Loma are – you know a white and a Hispanic guy. That's not the big difference here. The big difference is Devin Haney got dropped late after dominating on the cards and then almost got beat for the rest of the fight and did not look like the winner, even though he won on the scorecards. Like, dude, you asked me last week, you said you thought Devin Haney was going to beat Linares. I said probably, but I said Linares is a dog, and he's coming for that ass. And and look what he did. He did the same thing, and you're bringing up the fight with Lomachenko. He did the same thing to Loma, but the big difference is Lomachenko and Ryan Garcia are exciting fighters, and they finish people. Um, not to say Devin Haney doesn't have a good knockout punch, but, I mean, yeah, he didn't stop Jorge Linares. And his last fight was against, uh, oh, God, who was it, uh, Gamboa, and... Yeah, he beat an old Gamboa, but he didn't look exciting beating him up. So I mean, that's the thing with Devin Haney. He's he's kind of a boring fighter, bro. That's why people don't like him, it, it, and he has very little personality too. And this is uh, boxing is a star. It's it's not a meritocracy. It's not about who performs better. It's a star driven thing, just like MMA. Just like you know, same thing with like why people like Conor McGregor. It's not because he's the greatest fighter ever. It's you know, it's the production and you know, the the stage presence and everything like that. Um, I think Devin Haney's great. They're talking about him fighting Tia, uh, Fimo Lopez to unify the lightweight uh, division. I guarantee you Fimo Lopez is going to beat up Devin Haney. Guarantee it. Devin Haney has holes in this game. He always has. I think he's a really great fighter. He's got a lot of upside. But I don't think he's truly elite. I think the fact that he got caught by Linares and almost dropped was kind of a revealing thing. And he has to fight a very very, very calculated, safe style of boxing to win his fights. Um, uh, he's he doesn't have that heart to go in there and and trade bombs and to like <laughs> you know to go to war like the, that's not him. He's a tactician. So um, yeah, I, I I do agree. I think Ryan Garcia is also a guy who's very uh, exciting and stuff. But um, yeah, I don't think he wants to smoke with Devin Haney or any of these other lightweights because I think he'll get he'll get exposed. Um Ryan Garcia is You know he, He's a YouTube boxer so <laughs> <laughs> That's my thoughts on that shit
2: Well that'll take us to Recommended match of the week So last week you recommended uh, For me to watch the Otani Liger match from the Super uh, J crown uh, From 1997 And this was a Awesome matchup here Um I made sure to watch this after I watched the Road 2 shows because I just figured <laughs> a, 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 sh- a match of a, a big crowd, Liger, Otani, like it's going to be a great match. It's going to be heated. I, I, I should not watch this before the Road 2, but yeah, it was an awesome match here. Uh, very, very hard hitting. These guys were slapping in it very snug. It hitting the, the crap out of each other. It was almost like a mix of it, a never- Style of matchup with a junior matchup, and Liger was very aggressive in this match. I'm sure there was probably some backstory leading into this match, but yeah, he was very aggressive towards Otani, working over the leg uh, throughout the beginning part of the match with dragon screws, um, leg locks, and then Otani was working over Liger's arm throughout the match. Um, a lot of great exchanges. Uh, Otani had some big moves, and we, we talked about this it, during the uh, final countdown. But the way that Otani would like springboard off the, the ropes was just like. Very unique than kind of the springboards you see nowadays, and so doing some springboards. Uh, Topik on Helos, uh, Otani um, kicked out of a huge liger bomb. He had a lot of great suplexes uh, on liger. It was a German and a dragon suplex that were awesome. Um, liger hitting the sh- a shote for a near fall. Crowd popped, and I mean, we- we've heard crowds pop for shote, but like, this was another level. Like the crowd like erupted when he hit that shote and got the near fall. Going for a fisherman buster um, hit, hit twice and he's going for a regular Brain buster time reverse that And he had a great closing sequence of these guys just Kind of exchanging strikes um, Until um, Liger hits a, one last big Shote and gets the win there yeah,
3: yeah Awesome match what would you have rated this
2: Probably like four and a half
3: Nice yeah. I th- I think this match Still really really holds up even After all these years
2: yeah really really great stuff So if you guys haven't checked that out yet check that out Um and then my pick For recommended match of the week We're going back to 2016 In the G1 We're going for Marufuji Versus Ishii July 28th 2016
3: There's a lot I remember from that G1 For some reason I do not remember Marufuji and Ishii uh, I was surprised to see you list it but I guess that does Make sense they were in the same block Uh it, it, ishii was like the truth in that um in that g1 have you watched this match is it good
2: i have not watched it yet but okay because um,
3: i don't remember it and so i'm like wondering if that's not a good sign but uh, I, we'll see i think it was uh,
2: upper I'll, it was like i think upper eights when i looked on cage match
3: okay okay well that's great so i'll definitely uh you know take look at that but um I'm going to close this out this week since we have it here in the rundown. So that is going to do it for the show this week. Next week, we'll be back to review Dominion this weekend. If you've enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation. Visit socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. Make sure to connect with us on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Reddit. Oh, I don't know the tags.
2: (laughs) yeah on twitter you can find us at ki strong style network at social suplex you can follow me at jeremy l donovan facebook we're facebook.com slash social suplex also sponsor in the wrestling square circle facebook group facebook.com slash group slash wrestling square circle instagram we're at social suplex reddit on the pro back guide also just keeping it strong style email me jeremy at socialsuplex.com
3: yeah uh every time i go on a show and they're like what are your guys plugs i'm like our Twitter handle is at K-I Strong Style. Like anything else? I'm like yeah there's some other stuff but I don't know it <laughs> uh, Check out all the other shows On the Social Suplex Podcast Network On Sundays we have One Nation Radio Hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd Wednesdays we have the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show from Scotland Thursdays the Grave Consequences Show with Caleb and Maserati uh, Friday 8-Bit Suplex with Josh Number 2 And Sandy, Saturdays All Things Elite with Floyd Johnson, and then um, The Great Match Generator. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. We'll catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of
0: podcasts.
2: Ichiban.
0: Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.